Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. What's up, everyone? Freddy the Pizza Man here, host of the Pizza Man Podcast. Now joining forces with ChristopherMedia.net. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Pizza Man Podcast. And, of course, find all the podcasts on ChristopherMedia.net. We talk Detroit sports. I bring on guests, uh, passions, opinions, uh, all for Detroit sports, and more. We even talk pizza. So thanks for tuning in and uh, spread the word. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan. It's unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Okay. Welcome to Unregimented number 251. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. And I'm quite surprised. Were you guys on this uh, Kaepernick thing, the deal that he got with Nike? Nike? We were on our show, uh, our show Sporgy. That comes out every Thursday here at ChristopherMedia.net. But I, I really didn't know till like oh, a couple hours before we recorded that show the other day. Uh, you've really been staying out of the, the news, haven't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's great under my mushroom. I love it. Right. My blood pressure stays down. Well, that's the thing. Like, you're not under a mushroom, really. Like The idea that by not following daily events that you're somehow uh, uninformed I mean, all you have to do is open up an app or just, you know, watch a little bit of CNN and it's all right there. You didn't really miss anything. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, my Google News keeps me informed of shit, but yeah, I don't yeah. I don't have my finger on the pulse like I used to, I guess I'm, you could say. I mean, I, I have to say I'm fairly addicted. Like, I have this unreasonable need to be constantly updated on what's going on in the world but it doesn't i don't think it keeps me any more informed than than anyone else you know, does it probably I, just agitate you you get in arguments with stupid people yes well I, I tend to type out a lot of tweets and then just erase them yeah just go yeah no i don't have time for this yeah it's therapeutic but anyway i digress uh, the the colin kaepernick thing I haven't been following this the story all that closely, but of course I know the the political side of it, and I was quite surprised to see that you know a, an athlete that wasn't currently working, first of all, got a, a deal with, a, I would assume a major deal with a shoe company. Well, we are in the social justice times, and it's probably Nike kind of leaning into it a little bit. I think they absolutely know what they're doing. Oh yeah. I you know, I have to say though the thing that kind of left me scratching my head is isn't he a little early into his social justice career to like be held up at, like like a Muhammad Ali or something? I mean, he's all this shit started 2 years ago mm -hmm. in August. Mhm. Mm um, he's absolutely been blacklisted from the NFL. I mean, you know, yes, at first it was like, oh, he isn't good enough to play. And then you see NFL teams last season signing guys who hadn't thrown a football in an NFL game in three, four years. 
Well, and it's like, no, come on let me, now. Let me ask you this, Rich. Where do you see this this framing of Kaepernick coming from? I mean, it, to me, if it's from Kaepernick himself, then this guy has an overinflated ego. But if it's just from people who want to support him, you can't really hold at fault a person uh, that's being compared to whatever with whatever hyperbole. I will, yeah, I, I will give you that, Aaron, because Colin Kaepernick has been the least vocal about Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, he sure he had his few, you know, when he first started doing it, you know, he had a few interviews here and there. But yeah, he's he's generally, I mean, he doesn't he he doesn't speak out a lot. Right, he's being recognized for something that he's doing that's seen as a, a sacrifice that it possibly is costing him his career in football. Um, and I think people are getting maybe a little bit carried away with that. And yeah, because I think that's just unavoidable. Because I will say the one thing about the Nike ad is it talks about sacrificing everything. He, he sacrificed his career. He did sacrifice everything. We're not talking about Colin right. Kaepernick who now lives on the street. We're not, you know, he's so he rich. Go, yeah. He didn't go yeah, to prison that, for anything. Yes, but again, it's a it's a shoe ad, and. I mean, advertisements are what introduced us to this type of uh, ridiculous, exaggerated language. I mean, yeah, they're saying everything. No, he didn't sacrifice everything. There's a lot of people uh, putting up images of his campaign next to soldiers that lost limbs and saying, or some of them that didn't come back at all, saying, oh, these people really sacrificed everything. What are we having a debate over here? The English language? like I I still don't understand that mindset. We go through it with Earl on Sporgy all the time. Those soldiers died, so everyone can have an opinion about this. Whether you like it or not, that's what those guys died for. And it drives me up a wall. And that's the thing, like... you know, like right. I'm, I'm not going to claim to know the mindset of the military, or even that, it, or even assume that it could be summed up, because they're talking about a vast, a diverse group of people, right? Mm-hmm. They're not all right-wing gun nuts that are in the military. Most of them are just trying to get a little bit of college paid for. But you know, the ones who are the ones. Uh, let me backtrack here. The pictures that I'm seeing with the superimposed are people who have never served any time, right? They're just using images of uh, of wounded veterans to get a point across. Mm-hmm. And the actual veterans that I'm hearing from, like seeing seeing their posts on social media, are talking about exactly what you were saying, Chris. That that's the reason why they went over there and fought, so that Colin Kaepernick can speak his mind and not be punished for it. Well, what's interesting is the timeline of this. Uh, a, a buddy of mine posted a uh, <clears throat> like a brief recap of it, and I kind of forgot how this all started. It started on August 14th. He sat for the national anthem. No one said anything. Mm-hmm. August 20th, he sat for the national anthem. No one said anything. Yep. The 26th, he sits for it, and all hell breaks loose because, you know, all the usual suspects got hold of the story and turned it from, oh, well, he's, you know, not going to stand for the national anthem of a country that mistreats people, you know, of color or whatever. 
into, oh, this is disrespecting the flag and the anthem and the troops and mom and apple pie and Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan's left nut. And I mean, it's horrible. And it's, it's, it, it was at that point that a combat veteran, Green Beret, talked to Colin Kaepernick and said, why don't you take a knee? It's sitting, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, you, if you're wanting to protest, sitting just makes it look like you don't give a shit. Take a knee. And by the way, he didn't agree with them. But he gave him this idea. So the irony in all this is, is all these people working themselves up into a lather about this. It came from a service, a combat vet, a service member. The whole idea of kneeling. But yeah, I do kneeling. Kneeling's a sign of reverence, generally. I mean, you know, uh, we touched. Yeah, we, we we touched on this at Sporgy. What happens when a player gets injured? Half, almost all the guys on the sideline are kneeling while they're checking them out. You know, it, it, it's, I, I, I don't know. And then it, I, I just, I, I completely forgot that he sat for two weeks and no one said shit. And then the right people got hold of this story, put their spin on it and released it out into the world. Yeah. Now it's been but, fucking up my Sundays for the last two years. Right. Yeah, now, I they, mean, now they're not even going to show the national anthem. I mean, it's like, we're, it's like, we, that's. That is what this media, the, the, the NFL and the people that play NFL games think of Americans. You guys can't even handle the national anthem. You're on timeout. <laughs> but they're right. They're right. I, I saw that as like, here's your solution. I thought that was a very good solution. You know what? We're just not going to show it so you all can shut the fuck up. I consider that a win. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody on both sides can shut the fuck up about it now. We're just not going to show it. If you, I've, if you I've can't never share your toys, we're taking it from you. <laughs> I, I've never understood the the idea behind, you know, having to... It was like having, when I was a kid, we had to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, like, for a few years in grade school, I had to do this every morning. And I'm like, this is... Even at, like, eight years old, I'm thinking, this is some weird indoctrination. Like, I don't hate my country. You don't need to brainwash me. What's going on? <laughs> Yeah, because if it was, oh, I don't know, a video clip of children in school in Germany, 1938, doing the same thing, we would be horrified. Right. You know, like, this is how the Nazi movement starts. You know, and it's, it's, it's simple-minded people getting upset over symbols instead of what the symbols represent. And that just... That's that's what simple people do. They can't they, they can't grasp the larger concept at work. Right. So they grab onto something that's, that's that it has nothing to do with anything else, and they throw a temper tantrum and go, "Look at me, look at me. This is what I'm angry about." And people are like, "Yeah, but that has nothing to do with what's going on." Doesn't you're matter. Making, I'm angry. You're making it about something it's not. Yeah. What would you say is the core of this issue, though? Because obviously, this angers them. Right. I mean, before, like you were saying, I mean, from my radar, it was the president tweeting about him, but I'm sure there were conservatives that set him up for this. You know, it probably got the idea from somebody from Fox News that was complaining about it and, and framing it as, a, as disrespectful of veterans. But it, it, I, I have to believe that most of these people that are framing it as such don't really believe that. They've heard... Colin Kaepernick's side of it, and they've heard the words right out of his mouth, and they choose to believe what they want to believe on it. But it still drives 
this like emotion in in NFL fans that they're tapping into, right? Well, well that's what is what is that emotion? Is it just good. racism? Is it just because all I can get out of it is that this guy is black in America and makes millions of dollars, and he should be goddamn thankful and keep his mouth shut. Well, there's well, it's 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 more too because you you threw in NFL fans in there, and uh-huh. some of them are, but like. Rich and I go through this on a weekly basis. Most of the stuff that crosses over into the mainstream from the, you know, from the sports world, I bet most of these people aren't even football fans. They're just mad somebody isn't standing for the anthem. Exactly. Right. You know, so, it's just like I mean, when the, the people on the left get all up in arms about some shit. Same thing. You're not a fan. Right, which I think kind of lends to my point. Like, it's not about any sort of perceived disrespect of the troops with the game or or anything it's this idea that i think it's the, the core of the idea is that black people should be thankful for everything that they have in this country because they only have it at the will of white people we yeah, allow I, them to have certain things we've allowed them yeah, I don't think to be free and now they just want to take everything. They're no, not satisfied being millionaires. I, I, they want to. They want to completely change our culture. No, I don't think it's that. I think. I think you're going way too. I think you're. I think you're giving these people too much credit. Quite honestly, I. I just think it's. I, think, I don't think that it takes a lot of credit of it, to come up with that. I'm not saying they're having that. They're thinking these thoughts out inside their head. I'm just trying to describe the feelings that they have when they see a, a black man do uh, you know some sort of protest or take a stand or take a knee or whatever it is no i think it's it's more of an a gratitude thing because there are white players who have been taking a knee who've been getting just as much shit i, I think it's just more of a gratitude thing yeah. of like no, that, hey, hey you're fair. a millionaire you know be grateful stand for a minute and a half well look it, it's undeniable that there is a percentage of people who are like look here negro you need to be happy that we even brought your ass over here and, you know, your ancestors over here because if not, you know, you'd be, you'd be mm-hmm. kicking around elephant dung in, in some shit country in Africa. Obviously, that's a percentage of people. I think the vast majority of people who are quote-unquote outraged are the same type of people who the day after 9-11 ran out and bought every fucking American flag and shirt they could and didn't for one second stop and go, why the fuck were we attacked? It was just... Oh, they attacked us, yeah. America. I, I think it might be more right. ugly nationalism than racism. I, it's yeah, I, I can agree with that definitely because there's a lot of people that that they just cling to that pride, like they've claimed a side. Right? I'm the most prideful American. That means that the people who are less prideful than me are my enemy. And it's like you might as well have just picked uh, a side in pro wrestling. Like I'm definitely a Hulkamania fan because <laughs> that guy's all American. You know, it means absolutely nothing. He's a real American. It, That's on his theme music. It, as someone, as someone who, what do you contribute to the nation? Where that's the, where your pride goes. What and what you contribute, not in how you show it off with stickers and. Flags and T-shirts. and as, as someone who, a few days after 9-11, within a group of friends, started bringing up stuff that pissed them off and made them uncomfortable, 
I can tell you that there's a lot of people out there that, once again, they don't want to see the bigger issue at work here. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, you know, well, they they attacked us because they hate our freedom. Uh, No, they attacked us because we went over there and supplied them and trained them to fight the Russians, gave them billions of dollars worth of weapons. They they ran Russia out of Afghanistan, and then we threw $5 million at them to help rebuild what was left of their country. And then we've been sticking our nose in their fucking business ever since, all right? It's not just, oh, they, they're, they're Muslim, we're Christian, they hate us. Yeah, I'm sure that there's zealots like that on that side. There's also people who, you know, oh, I don't know, how many times have we had this conversation? Families get wiped out in an airstrike? You just created future terrorists. Because those people aren't going right. to... These aren't people who are going to go, oh, this is for the greater good. So I'm glad that my dad's brains are now splattered against that wall. America, number one. Right. No, they're so, going, fuck that. You just killed my, my, my family who was doing nothing but just trying to survive. So fuck you, Americans. And as someone who said that, oh, it, 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 it came close to ending a few friendships. So Let's we have kind of this like gobstopper of outrage over this issue, right? Uh, I think at its very core, there's like what I was describing, this this racism, this black man should be thankful type of thing. Then there's the the next layer of uh, nationalists who are just upset anytime you don't show ultimate respect for their flag and their nation. And I think the the extra the candy coating on the whole thing is the aspect that nobody involved in entertainment should have a real opinion about anything, right? Take aside, if you can set aside his race and the issue that he's protesting and just, I mean, I think we're more accepting now of certain voices in Hollywood and, uh, and other forms of entertainment that we, that we want to speak out. There's still a lot of people, especially when you disagree with them, that just want to say, hey, just catch the ball and shut the fuck up. Absolutely. And the irony is, is that the, there's a lot of people who go walk around going, "Well, who are all these athletes and celebrities and actresses and musicians to sit there and preach to us like they know anything?" And they're absolutely right. Most of them are fucking pretty stupid, just like your average American. Yeah, they know just as much as you do, Joe yes. Sixpack. So, and the only thing you know is whatever your selected news channel tells you. You don't even think anymore. You don't even bother to question it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 but the other course, side of that, Rich, is a lot of these people live lives that most of the country do not live. They live in a world that none of us live in. Absolutely. They're not even in reality. I mean, when you have people like Rosie Ozan, Ro- 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 Rosie Ozan, I just combined two people. <laughs> Rosanna well, Dana Dana? Yeah. Was, what was, did I put them in the, in the, trans, in the, in the transporter from the 1986 version of The Fly and combine them into one person? <laughs> yes. <laughs> When you have people like Rosie O'Donnell running around talking about, we need to literally ban all guns, yet someone points out, don't you have armed bodyguards and security? Yes, but I need it. Right. So is David Hogg? It's like, uh, guess what? You don't, you don't, you're not even living in the reality that the average American's living in. You live in, a, you live in a world where people don't knock on your door randomly on Saturday because they can't get onto your compound without getting drawn down on. By your private security force. 
All right. Of course, you'd feel like you don't need a gun. Everyone fucking around you has one, stupid bitch. You know, and it, it, yes, people like that. People laugh who at them, oof on them, and fucking dismiss them. Let's be honest here. Why do we even listen to what this fucking this 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 land fucking whale has to say? Let her <laughs> flap her fucking gums about it, laugh at her fucking ignorance, and move the fuck on. And that's how I feel. We and if and if social media is any proof, look at the geniuses setting their Nikes on fire. First of yeah. all, I don't notice anyone setting like five hundred dollar <laughs> Jordans on fire. These are all like the thirty dollar. Two for fifty, Mr. Allen Knight. Oh yeah, this is this has been a real treat on yeah. social media. And again, just like with the Keurigs, Nike already has your money, dipshits. Exactly. Right. It, it, <laughs> I, I don't understand that at all. I mean, who knows even how many of these people? This this behavior seems so ridiculous. I have to think a good percentage of it is just people trolling or you know wanting some attention. They had some old Nikes laying around. They're like, oh yeah. But I don't know whether they truly believe they were uh, speaking out in any effective way. But yeah, your money's already spent. You're, I mean, many as many people pointed out, these any number of things could have been done with functional shoes to donate to people in need. It's, yeah, it's exa- just wasteful. It, I heard that on another podcast today. That, like, hey, that, instead of burning them, give them to goodwill. Help give them help to the somebody homeless. out. Right. Yeah. Well, there's, it, it, there's, there's, there's also, you know, the elephant in the room is these people are upset at Nike for hiring Colin Kaepernick for the 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign. But they're perfectly okay with the slave labor Nike uses to produce their stuff. They, they can't be bothered with that, but they can, they can light their shoes on fire while still wearing them in some cases. And God, I hope you're right. I really hope that's just fucking trolling. I really hope people well, are dumb enough to do that. Uh, if that guy that lit him while on fire while he was wearing them was faking it, then he's got a really good makeup guy. <laughs> or is one. He's got Rick Baker on speed dial. Those, or, you know, found, like, the perfect stock photo for... I, because the... He fucked his feet up, and that looked real. <laughs> <laughs> but... Well, the other elephant, too, Rich, as you brought it up on Sporgy, is... As concerned about social justice as Kaepernick is, he has no problem taking the money from the company that has eight-year-olds make their shoes. For 30 cents an hour. Yeah. And they turn around well, and sell them at a 5,000% markup. But, okay, so I know that social justice is kind of a, uh, a, a shorthand term that gets thrown around a lot. But, you know... Uh, just because there is an issue that Colin Kaepernick uh, deems worth protesting doesn't mean that he has to like take on every issue in the world, and doesn't mean that that's his life going forward is is more of a you know a, a so-called social justice warrior than an athlete. Yeah, but there is it, there is a level of hypocrisy there. Period. It's like if you are... Yeah, because of the, if, the overtone of the ad. With the, well, you look, gotta stand for something. There's a level of hypocrisy then in dealing with anyone dealing with Nike. Anyone buying their products or anyone involved in any of their ad campaigns. Well, it, it, Absolutely. And it's not just Nike. Yeah. Adidas, Under Armour, the list goes on and on. I mean, it's, it's just... 
So, so I, 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 don't, I don't begrudge the guy to make money, okay, first of all. He, like I said, I highly doubt he's ever going to play football again. It looks like this collusion case, this, this lawsuit he filed, is going to go through. The countersuit the NFL filed against him was basically thrown out. I think what's going to happen is that they're going to settle gonna, for a huge amount of money, right? They don't. They're never going it, to give in to putting him on the field. He won't need to play football after he gets his settlement. He's probably going to make more money with his settlement than he would have made playing football, especially if he'd have been injured in the in you know. Let's just say he played for another seven, eight years. Right. There's every play. There's a chance he's that's his last play as a, as a professional athlete, and that means his paycheck's gone because that's how the NFL is. Unless it's guaranteed money up front, you don't. Th- those contracts are not guaranteed. That's why there's. This is what we're paying him. This is how much is guaranteed. That they have to pay. At the end of the contract, they can cut you and not pay a dime to you, and they don't even have to give you a fucking reason. I mean, that's the, it. Is it is. A very cutthroat and I think he's going to get paid and if he's smart if he's smart and he really is genuine about this about fighting for social issues that, that he feels strongly about he can parlay that into a second career like someone like Jim Brown or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has mm-hmm. if he's smart and he's genuinely about it the thing is is that because we've covered this story ad nauseum on Sporgy we know a lot of details that unless you've covered it as deeply or follow sports as, as much as, as Chris and I do, that I don't think the average person knows. Like the fact that this all started when he got himself uh, you know, fist in the air, black power girlfriend. The fact that there's a lot of people around him talking for him and making decisions for him. Well, he's been radicalized. And he's just, he's just kind of like, hmm, okay. It just seemed... I, it, yeah, that, really, that afro it, didn't show up to the last season he played. It it well, seems it's change, right? It it's it just seems to me that that he might have expressed something, a desire to bring attention to a to an issue, and then people around him with other agendas saw him as a stepping stone to promote the issue they are going to tell him, hey, since you're gonna protest this you might as well protest this at the same time i mean i i don't understand why the guy hasn't just flat out become like the face the head of i don't know i i mean they're not an org uh, like they're not a not pro- not for profit organization but why he hasn't become the de facto face and voice of like something like black lives matter yeah i i don't know that i had uh, you tell me, is he vocal about them at all? No. Like, well, uh, I mean, in interviews, he'll bring it, he'll bring it up, and he's you know he said that's part of it, right? But that's Rich. But you brought up a great point. Most of the talk has been by other people. Yeah, yeah and, and that's a little unsettling because, I mean, look, it's a stereotype, but stereotypes are there because there's grains of truth in them. Just because he's a he's has the ability to play in the NFL does not make him a road scholar. I mean, I don't know the man personally. He could be a road scholar. He could be dumb as a box of rocks. He could be very easily manipulated. Who knows? Or he might just be sitting back playing puppet master and letting everybody else do all the talking with the more controversial points, and he's just collecting the paycheck. Let them take the heat. Keep it off me. 
Because there was, there was, it, it, he actually was offered a contract from a football team that people inside that organization came out and said he didn't turn it down as much as his girlfriend ruined that contract offer with her meddling. And as far as I know, he never came out and denied or confirmed anything. He just didn't comment on it. I mean, that's, to me, that's a red flag right there. And I hope for the guy's sake, if he's being genuine about this, he's smart enough not to let himself get used. I mean, obviously someone advised him to take this Nike deal, so he's got a decent financial advisor somewhere in that, in that entourage. <laughs> you know, this, uh, this whole conversation, I've had the uh, theme from ballers rolling through my head. That's racist of you. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> no, all the, like, sport anyway. <laughs> Aaron, it seems Aaron like an episode of ballers his- to me, a, a B-plot. Aaron just put on his sports shirt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't watch the sports, but I love me some ballers. That show is great. See, I love sports. I can't get into that show. It's I've just, watched a couple episodes, and I'm like, eh. My girlfriend likes it more than me. I think your girlfriend likes The Rock more than you. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I'll fully admit, it's a show that just coasts on charm, but it's got it in bucket loads. Like I like The Rock. I like Rob Corddry. I should love that show. They're great together too. I can't get into it. I, you know, it, it it's one of those shows I watch, and it's kind of, for the most part, in the background. But it does have moments of brilliance, like Rob Corddry smoking weed with that athlete, singing that. Uh, what is it? I get ha 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 every day, and he just <laughs> nails the verse. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here, man! <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> Like, Rob Corddry should never rap. But here's the thing. He wasn't bad. It was legit. He sold it. <laughs> I mean, He's an actor. Yeah, well, don't get me wrong. He's not going to be challenging Eminem for, you know, the throne of, like, you know, you know, greatest white rapper anytime soon. But, you know. Oh, speaking of. It, yes. Real quick, I was going to ask, have you guys heard any of the, the new Eminem stuff? I was no. going to say, I listened to two tracks the first two tracks, and uh, I just kind of lost interest. I, yeah, the last one was so bad, I have no interest in this one. I, It seemed, the, the two songs that I listened to, maybe I didn't listen the best of, but why would you lead off with your cruddiest tracks? Um, my first impression on it, uninspired performance, and... What the fuck is going on with the production? It sounds like dog shit. Why can't it? And he's got good producers listed on that on that record, but I don't know, man. I, I to he me needs the, to be on drugs and pissed off. That's well, he makes well, his best. He's, he's he's pissed off again. He's pissed off again. This is that's the thing that that is cracking me up about this is uh, a lot of the younger people I know are like, oh man, I've never heard Eminem be like this. I'm like. This is first album. This isn't Eminem. This is Slim Shady. This is this is as the world turns. Oh, really? Know, like like hmm. you know, go go gadget dick stuck that shit in crooked and fucked that fat bitch to death. You know, like that type shit. This is not the I'm not afraid and all that. You know, this is I'm, I'm tired of being hired and fired the same day. Eminem. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, and I don't know that it works as much because. He's now an old guy bitching about mumble rappers, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's legit. It's garbage. I don't know any, I've not seen 
any MC that is held up and revered by the hip hop community that has defended that mumble that mumble rap crap and yeah. the story. I mean, it, it's a joke, but it's well, low hanging fruit in my opinion. You know, it's like, but what's yeah, he gonna but, do? Bitch I don't Fred care. More? I don't care how right you are. Like, if it's in a shit package, if <laughs> I'm not gonna listen to this song. Yeah, you know, and it's. Like I, I agree with some of the stuff that he's angry about, but I just think as a performance, it's just not there. And you know, look, it's, it's undeniable that there's some sort of magic that happens with a self-destructive person that is also being creative. Eminem's not the first guy to to come along and get all mixed up in 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 whatever and have this chaotic life that out of it spins some really great pieces of art in my opinion and, but I'm also not I mean I know that you said in jest that he needs to be on drugs or whatever but look I mean it, I don't want him to be on drugs if he could only make good music on drugs that's unfortunate I don't wish him to like fuck his life up again so that maybe he can make a decent song we'll always have the Marshall Mathers uh, LP, right? I, which I think is the pinnacle of anything that he's done. Well, I think the other thing too is he needs to be poor. <laughs> he needs to, I'm not, I'm not, he needs to I'm, be I'm, hungry. I'm half joking. No, I because at some point, it, at some point, this became a job. You know, this went from something I'm trying to do my dream to now it's a job for him, and he's got to keep moving units because Haley's got to go to college. There is there is actually something primal about being hungry and performing. It's this link. Like honestly, if you want to be better at practicing an instrument, practice it before when you get home before you eat your dinner. Practice hungry. And don't go on stage after eating a full meal either. You're gonna be oh. uninspired. Like, okay. So, so to review, I, Eminem needs to be poor and on drugs. <laughs> And pissed off. So and, to, to, and hungry. And hungry. So to, para, to, to paraphrase uh, Doug Stanhope, Jesus died for your sins. He's going to die for your mere entertainment dollar. <laughs> right. no, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like Ultimately, I, I think that he's created a lot of great art, and he should be happy. He should be happy for the rest of his life. If no great art comes again, whatever, you know? Well, one thing I have to give the guy is that he he come out with because honestly, after Eminem show, he kind of dropped off my radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I know the radio songs because they were played. There all was some fun stuff time. going on that album, but um, he's you know I think it was not afraid. He actually was like in my last album, it was kind of. Eh. Like he'll call himself out and be like, "Yeah, I kind of released a stinker there." This album, he's defending the previous album, the one that you specifically said you didn't really care for, Chris. And he's basically taking no prisoners, going after all the critics, whether they be fellow musicians, professional critics, internet trolls, whatever the fuck. So obviously, he thinks that he did put out a good album. Because he's put out an album basically defending the previous album, whereas before he's called himself out for putting out garbage. So I mean, I got to give it to him for that. He's he's sticking to his guns, and I mean, it, tell it, the same lie over and over. Don't make it true. Well, I mean, it's not a liar true situation, is it? it? That's his opinion. 
He's allowed to have a positive opinion of his previous work. True. But I, I, I just think it's 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 hilarious to like to to hear younger people around me talking about like wow I can't believe he went this hard and blah 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 and I'm like listen to this and they're like oh my god you ever heard the song I just don't give a fuck <laughs> it's like they're like he put an album out that said that shit I'm like yes that's what that's how you know who he is. This is literally, I remember literally the first MTV news segment with him. They asked him, they said, so basically your first album explores a lot of dark themes, such as drug use, parental neglect, uh, hookers, and uh, 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 being bullied in school. And me and my buddy were sitting there watching it. We turned and looked at each other, and we're like, this motherfucker is from Detroit. (laughs) (laughs) He's one of us. (laughs) Like we were, we were just like, oh shit! And then we listened to the album. And we we're like, oh, he's crazy. He's naming pe- He's naming his bullies. D'Angelo Bailey called him out by name on that fucking album. Sued the shit out of him. And he was like, I don't care. Fuck you. He brought up D Barnes, Doctor Trick. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'm like, you guys. Once again, it just shows that there's. At least with a lot of the younger people I know, there's not like a very deep knowledge of musical history. Well, I think it. You talk about this all the time. It's and I think it's a function of that age group. The world didn't exist before they were born. Nothing existed until they were born. I mean, I would hope that musicians, younger musicians, aren't like that. But I can't hold out much hope for the average person because the average person is well average. That's why they're average people. So, you know, I don't. I don't expect everybody to be, you know, the, well, who's the guy that went on Jeopardy and won everything? Ken Jennings. Yeah, I don't expect, you know, every every person I meet to be the Ken Jennings of, you know, rock and roll Jeopardy. But, I mean, if you're such a huge fan of somebody, I don't know, check out their back catalog maybe. It's not even hard. You don't even have to leave the house anymore. It's not like you got to go to Harmony House and buy the fucking, the cassette or the CD. You can just fucking stream it from your phone. But... I think, you know, another thing... Then going they go, back what's to, Harmony House? What's a cassette? And what's a CD? <laughs> go, going back to the, uh, Eminem, though, in his career, I think... Look, there is this character that he made, right? That kind of fell away over the years. Where now it's more about his personal thoughts. Like, I, I never really cared about what he personally thought about or whether, I mean, I'll tell you the obvious things of like actually killing his baby's mama, uh, whether any of the things that he did were like true or based in reality. I mean, all artists draw from their own life, obviously, but he was creating this character. And the more that character kind of fell by the wayside, the less interested in his work I was in general. Yeah, I'm, that's that's what I'm saying. Like the Marshall it's, Mathers, it's L- like it's kind of like Andrew like, Dice Clay, right? Like he had this like he had this character that worked as a comedy routine for me uh, to a certain degree. And but like I don't really care. I, I don't think Ford Fairlane's some great movie. Like, <laughs> but he, when he lost the you know the, that character, he couldn't play another character, and he was no good at playing himself. Actually, his Showtime show wasn't half bad. I thought he did an all right job of playing a 
way over ego, a way over inflated ego asshole mm-hmm. on entourage. I mean, like you know, just completely shot himself in the foot. Got a little bit of success. Got big in the head. Demanded more than than he was worth, and ended up losing everything. Yeah, and that's what his Showtime show is like. I mean, he's basically kind of lampooning himself and his own attitude. But anyway, I mean, that was that was my thoughts on Eminem, though. Well, I mean, I I would definitely I haven't listened to the whole thing, and so I can't really comment on the quality of of as a whole. Um, I've been slightly amused by some of what I heard, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> so I'm gonna have to give it, you know, a listen and then see how it sits with me. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that I'm like so jaded on him that I'm like, I, I have no interest in hearing anything from him again. And look, some of my favorite albums I didn't get the first time around. Maybe there's something in here that I'm not getting yet. You know, I, my bloody Valentine. Uh, album isn't anything which is like hailed as an an indie rock classic i was like why can't they keep their guitars in tune <laughs> 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 but it grew on me and i got it eventually something clicked in clicked in me and i understood so yeah I felt about Sonic Youth. Why can't they play any chords? Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna tune every string to D. <laughs> All right. <laughs> someone hand me someone hand me that drumstick. I'm gonna insert it between my strings and just strum. I, you know, but then again, I, I kind of feel about Eminem the way I feel about a lot of metal. Like I'm just not that guy anymore. I yeah. Kinda, yeah. I'm just not like, you know. Yeah. You put on Pantera. You know, I'm broken, five minutes alone, whatever. I'm like, all right, you know, got the groove, whatever. But I can't just sit and listen to it all day. And, I mean, if I'm going to listen to hip-hop all day, it's not going to be, you know, Eminem. It's going to be, it's not going to be anything I really listened to growing up. I just feel like it's just like, eh, I've, I've been there, done that. You know, let me hear something new. What did you, you, you call it back in the day, Chris? Backpack rap? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I, it's kind of the the direction I've went. You know, I want to hear new and interesting things, new beats, and I mean, like straight up, I I have to listen to it sometimes because of the people at work. But man, I mean, everything is da 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 yeah, I mean that's that's everybody's flow these days, and you know it, I'm like, mm-hmm. is 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 rap de evolving back into the, you know, type cadence? I, I said it in like 2011, 2012, and I still think we're there. Rap is in its disco phase. Man, I I I, I gotta say, I think it's past disco. I think we're into the fucking the cock rock phase of rap. Like seriously, especially with some of the way these guys. Androgyny, something I never thought I would say. Androgyny is now a big thing in 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 the in the popular hip hop circles, you know. And I'm just like, what? That makes no sense. But it's not made for me. It's made for a younger generation. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. Yeah. I, 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 I generation that. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just saying, I recognize that. And I, you know, I realize that. 
and I can't get angry at it because it's not made for me. That's that's kind of the feelings I've had in the last probably year or so with comedy. I feel like I'm aging out of comedy, but it's it's yeah, it's we're we're getting older. That's <laughs> that's really what it, it's. You know, jokes for 25-year-olds or songs for 25-year-olds are not for us. We're 40. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's just, it's as much as I enjoy, like, going back and re-listening to some of that old Eminem stuff, I just can't maintain that level of anger. <laughs> yeah, it's it, exhausting, isn't it? it? Yes, it fucking drains me, man. Like, I, I, I literally tell people who at work, I'm like, I, I'm not like this when I'm not at work. Do you know why? And they're like, why? Because I don't, I'm not forced to deal with the idiots I'm forced to deal with here. Mm-hmm. That's why. I, I can kick you out of my house if you're a retard. It's real simple. Get the fuck out. There, there's, there's no debate. There's no discussion. Get the fuck out. You're retarded. I don't want to listen to your bullshit. Get the fuck out of my house. Man. That's all there is to it. I can't do that at work, so... Well, if it doesn't come out this way, it's going to come out with me in a clock tower in a couple of years. <laughs> you know, the frustrating thing, though, Rich, is that it's not that there isn't good hip-hop being made currently. It's that it's just not getting the attention. It's not getting on the radio. People are not flocking to it. Um, I mean, I would have thought that somebody like uh, Currency would be huge. By now, and I'm sure that he's doing all right for himself, and he's very prolific. He's putting out album. I mean, this last year he put out uh, two albums, and it's all great stuff. And it's not this repetitive ending the on the same rhyme and doing the same rhythm over and over again, or the mumbling or the trap production or any of this stuff. And uh, and it's not that you're you know, backpack rap or hippie rap or anything like that. It's very much done in a... I mean, I guess there is. A, it owes a lot to gangster rap, certainly in the production style. So it's not necessarily breaking any grounds, but it's those artists are still out there. And that's just, I guess, not what the public wants from hip-hop in general anymore. Well, you also they have want fucking, the music industry pushing facial facial tattoos. Well, yeah. you also you also have a generation now that's been raised post Napster, post downloading shit, and it's shrunk the music industry to the point where they only want sh- safe, sure things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember, remember, remember turning on MTV, Yo MTV Raps, and you would see NWA, A Tribe Called Quest, mm-hmm. uh, De La Soul, you know, uh, Queen Latifah. These were not mainstream artists at the time. These were, these were, you know, and it's not like they, they, the only thing they had in common is they're rapping. That's it. These weren't even, they, they weren't even in the same genre of rap. Now it's like anything that's off the beaten path, you have to go looking for because it's very rarely going to cut through the mainstream noise. Well, it's because traditional media is floundering and they, and you're right, they need the sure things. That's why every, it's why the only movies that make money anymore are, the, are you know, the superhero movies. Yeah, you know, franch- not, franchise tentpole movies. Yeah, you're not you're not getting your 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 cold independent films. You know that the, the clerks would clerks ain't happening in 2018. You know how that happened because that that involves a risk. That involves you might not make your money. Well, I also think that music. 
you have to go looking off the beaten path for it. And if you want pretty much anything that's not the quote-unquote safe stuff in entertainment, you have to go looking in places that you never would have looked before. I never would have been like, oh, I want to really watch an engaging story and and have good character development, give a fuck about the characters, give a fuck about the plot. Let me go watch TV. I would never have thought that was how it's going to be 20 years ago, but that's how it is. I watch a movie to see an event these days. Like that's this, like the Star Wars movies, the, the the Marvel movies. They're events. You know, they're not. I, I enjoy them, but I'm not going to mistake them for high art. I mean, we're not. This isn't like you know, groundbreaking, pushing. You know, maybe special effects wise, yeah, but it's it, it, they're they're very safe stories. We know these stories very well. And even then, they can't even get them right. Look at the DC movie universe. Wonder Woman's single-handedly keeping that fucking thing afloat. Oh, yeah, yep. Batman's rehab. <laughs> Batfleck doing his best to sink the franchise. <laughs> but it's just, it is what it is. And, I mean, as musicians, we're going to obviously dig deeper than just what's popular, what's being played on the radio, what's be has has the most streams on whatever fucking you know Spotify, what whatnot. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of of most musicians. I mean, I've met guys who play in bands who are professional musicians who can't stand the music they play, but it puts food on the table and yep. it keeps the lights on. The, the, most people on cover bands. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm thinking of one sp- in particular that's local. I don't know. I'm not going to name him because I'd be calling out the guy, but. I talked to him after a show at Chelly's, and he was like, oh, the same fucking songs five nights a week, man. He's like, well, and we can't, if I get this, if, if, we, if we stretch one out, people get pissed off because it's not three and a half minutes long. You pay me enough money, I'll cover Africa by Toto twice a <laughs> night. <laughs> here's the Open thing. and close with it. Here's, here's, the th- <laughs> here's the thing. The old guys like that are now like you know in their sixties and seventies that I was lucky enough to to sometimes be in bands with. They were like, I'm never playing Mustang Sally ever again. I don't <laughs> give a fuck how much money you offer me. I'm never playing that song ever again. <laughs> oh, you want to see some tits flopping? Play that song at any bar. <laughs> yeah, flopping being the 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 important word in that sentence because they're going to have to they're going to have to because they're over 50 yeah they're going to have to loosen their belt so they can pull out their fucking nipples you know what i'm saying i mean them are some long ass titties national geographic titties (laughs) but you know it's like yeah i get it i understand it that's kind of how you know i oh god when i first started playing every cover band had to play smells like teen spirit we played a we played a battle of the bands, and every single fucking band played that song. The the <laughs> only saving grace is we went first, and so it was like, well, we'd have had to scrap that song if we went second. They're like, why? Because I'm not fucking playing it if everybody else is playing it. Yeah. I played in a, a battle of the bands. I'm trying to remember the songs that we covered. I know one of them was by the Breeders. Um, Cannonball. No, it wasn't. It was uh, it, would been off, it would have been off of Pod, the first full length. But anyway, yeah, I mean, it, but it, 
yeah, if if I was a professional musician and that was my that was my job, yeah, I'm gonna have to play shit I don't like. I understand that. Yeah. You know, you think the guy standing there playing acoustic guitar for Taylor Swift is like this is what I dreamed of when I grew up, playing for a white bitch with a flat ass, staring at this 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 concave ass all fucking night, yeah. playing nope, the same he's three on tour. He's in the union. He's playing on you know sold out arenas. It's it's half the dream. Shit, is there even a musicians' union anymore? I figured that. I the way unions been busted in the last thirty years, I figured they've been one of the first ones to go. Well, yeah, I mean, there's like even outside of people just doing cover bands and stuff like that, there's still plenty of artists that don't get radio play, don't get the push from uh, large labels, and make perfectly good livings. You know that. Like, you know, my example of currency, I, who knows? Maybe he's just as popular as he cares to be. Maybe this guy is like, this is it. Like, I have total control over my image and my music. I have fans. I can tour. I make enough money to live comfortably and pay off a house or what have you. Not every, It's not always about the fucking lottery winners. But I guess that's the only thing that's... It's not that that hip-hop has stagnated over the years, right? It's branched out and evolved considerably. It's just there's certain... There seems to be only one form at a time of that art that can be represented in popular culture. And the current one just happens to be like probably the shittiest version of hip hop that that I can imagine, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that's just that's just what's put out there for public consumption, you know. And and it is, I I agree with your analogy. I think you said that uh, it's very much in its glam stage. And I mean, I watched a little snippet of some video of some artists. I don't know who the fuck they were, but full set of the gold teeth, the grill, what what have you, and just like loud mismatched colors and crazy hair, facial tattoos. Yeah, I, there's there's one guy, six nine or whatever. I'm the with fuck. you. Yeah, he looks like he looks like a Skittles package ejaculated on him. Like his <laughs> grill, his grill is every color in the fucking homo rainbow. I mean, it is like I, I'm like, dude, you're a Ween song. <laughs> like seriously, there's many colors in the homo rainbow, and they're all on your grill. I mean, I just, I, I and I'm just, yeah, I'm, I think I just that's shake total glam. Yeah, I'm like, this is, I'm like, black folks are finally going to have well, something besides the Jerry curl to look back and be embarrassed on in 30 years. What was glam all about? It was about pushing people's buttons. Oh, you're upset because uh, you know artists like Elvis Presley are going out there and shaking their hips. Well fuck this, I'm going to dress up as a woman or you won't even be able to tell what sex I am. Tease my hair up in ridiculous way. Wear clothes that nobody would really wear in public. I yeah, mean, but I mean... It, it's like, uh, that's where we got all this, this these pro wrestlers, right? Like, uh, yeah, like but, Ric Flair and guys that would play, oh, I'm so fucking pretty and come out with a fucking boa on. It's like, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you See, and your masculinity. But I mean, like... You know, I think of like glam. I think of Bowie. No, I, know, yeah, shit like that. I, when I think of hair metal, 
I think of the lowest common denominator of music absolutely possible mm-hmm. for people who could actually play. And uh, what, what's telling words for Aaron. What's telling is how many of those guys, when they got out of those bands, when they got sick of it or they made enough money and quit, went on to become like jazz musicians and shit. It's you, you, it's, it's like, dude, you went yes. from you went from wearing fishnet fucking stockings and a thong I, and more makeup than Tracy Lord circa '84 to playing Joe to, Pass. Right. I'm not I'm not gonna put Bowie. Uh, you know, fucking uh, Ziggy Stardust era Bowie next to Rat. <laughs> I'm just you. saying the there's a, a similarity in the aesthetic, and it's for the same reason. Like whether you want to you want to put some mysterious like conception behind why David Bowie dressed any certain way, or the characters, or some supposed story behind it, he dressed up the way he did. The same reason that any of the guys in Poison dressed the way they did. And it was and it was to push people's buttons. It was to play a little bit of that heel and that person that's supposed to scare your parents. Man, I'm just thinking of Charlie Murphy talking about Shalimar got a new bass player named Mickey Free. <laughs> and cats were like, you see that new bass player Shalimar fine like a motherfucker. Yeah. Mickey Free's a man. <laughs> <laughs> This is probably the only podcast where you're over here, David Bowie and Poison compared. <laughs> right. I, I, I make no comparison musically, stylistically. Oh boy. See, but I think when Bowie did it, it was it was being it it, it was it, it was based in in being creative. It was based in art, where Poison was just based in commerce. See, that's that's yeah. what I'm saying. I, with Bowie, it's, 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 it's it was a similar a tool. It's look when. <laughs> When uh, Picasso picked up a paintbrush, he he made something that outlasted his own life, and Bob Ross just makes happy little clouds. Like there's no comparison of the final product. I'm just describing the tool. Yeah, their tools are right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So Although, what else is going on this week that we wanted to get to? Should we get say- into this political stuff? Well, do we want to just shove all the pop culture together and talk about Burt Reynolds and then get political? Let's talk about Burt Reynolds. What did Burt Reynolds mean to you? Because for me, like... Boogie Nights. Yeah. Cannonball Run. Yes. The Longest Yard. The Adam Sandler one. Hey, but <laughs> I'm the youngest member of the podcast. What can I say? Burt Reynolds, yeah. It's, it's one of these... Uh, another person that just kind of pops up in your life over the course of like cannonball run is an early one as a childhood i remember seeing that um honestly what pops up in my mind is that he was someone that kept my grandmother awful moist <laughs> like she had that she had that she had that what i think was it cosmopolitan where he was laid out like on the bare skin rug yeah you know posed just so you couldn't see his 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 hairy man dick and it was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, my grandmother was all about Burt Reynolds. And I was like, I don't, that's a lovely V-neck he's got. It was, seriously, how much hair could you have on your chest? That is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I think he had, like, if I were, if I were a gay man, I think that Burt Reynolds' were. hair would be the, the, 
the upper limit of my hair tolerance. <laughs> right? I think I'm not going to say he has just the right amount, but like any more than that, and once you like tip over into like Robin Williams territory, then I'm out. <laughs> Burt Reynolds' chest could have played Wolverine. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> the comic book Wolverine, the five foot three. Hair everywhere, Wolverine. (laughs) (laughs) Not the Hugh Jackman one that everyone thinks of these days. Um, So, well, yeah, so as a kid, he was like, I don't know, just one of those. Well, I have to admit, as a kid, he was a guy that I got confused with Tom Selleck on on a regular (laughs) basis. The only thing thing that kept me from getting confused is Tom Selleck wore the tiger's hat. Right. So that's how I knew Tom Selleck. If Burt Reynolds would have put one on, I'd have been fucked. <laughs> pick which one's Burt Reynolds? Oh shit! Can you have them take their hats off? Right. <laughs> put them both in Hawaiian shirts. Uh, but then you know, see, he had uh, the comeback with um, what was the movie with Demi Moore? Strip tease. Strip tease. Was that his comeback, or that, was Boogie Nights his comeback? No, strip tease definitely came first. Yeah. Yeah. Boogie Nights was like his artistic comeback. Striptease was getting back into the public consciousness type comeback. Yeah. <clears throat> because he had become kind of a joke there. I see I'm too I'm too young to really remember the hype around Smokey and the Bandit movies. Mm-hmm. But I'm just old enough to remember him being a national laughing stock due to his divorce with uh, Lonnie Anderson. Yeah, because when I was a kid, until Boogie Nights came out, I just knew him as the guy who was married to Lonnie Anderson. Yeah. You know, and, and <clears throat> to be honest with you, I mean, the man's dead. I'm not, I swear I'm not trying to dance on his grave or anything. I, I, I never really saw him have any great acting chops. <laughs> I mean, if you, I watch him in Boogie Nights, yeah. and I think he's just acting as a, he's doing a version of himself. Did you not see his guest appearance on Archer? Well, <laughs> no, I didn't. That, Rich, I totally agree with you. Like, I think that this man is an icon because he had a certain attitude that worked, but he didn't have any depth to his acting abilities. This is why I think that Norm MacDonald's impression of him is perfect. Yes. Because, because all Norm MacDonald does is chew gum. And what he's saying... Honestly, what what Norm Macdonald is saying is that that is all that Burt Reynolds is doing. He's chewing gum and repeating lines. That's why he has no voice for Burt Reynolds. He's just like, I'm just going to chew gum. I got a funny hat on. It's big. That's why it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And Turd Ferguson. (laughs) Again, you know, not to dance on his grave, but so what? Like, again, uh, I didn't know the guy. My words mean nothing, ultimately, in whatever his family's going through. But let's just kind of deconstruct what this man meant as a as a kind of an American icon, you know, a sex symbol and all that. It, here's a, a list of roles that he turned down over the years. Han Solo. Whoops. Michael Corleone. Ha! Rocky Balboa. John McClane, and uh, I don't remember the, the characters' names for these ones, but uh, D- 
Jack Nicholson's part in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Richard Gere in Pretty Woman. Wow. Find out who his agent is and never work with him. <laughs> right. I think, who is I your think, agent, Dom DeLuise? <laughs> <laughs> I think his alternate universe career is better than the career he actually had. Absolutely. I mean, that's like... He'd be a fucking icon. But tell me honestly, would any of those movies be iconic with him as the lead? I mean, not to say that Han Solo is the lead in Star Wars necessarily, but still. He is in my heart. So I think maybe Star Wars could maybe uh, remain unscathed. Yeah, I was going to say, the only role you named where I could see his personality fitting into that role would be Han Solo. Yeah, actually, I could kind of see that working. Yeah, but everything else, I can't see him saying, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. God, he would have been in his, what, 50s at that point? Yeah. Like, that that would have been been like... That would have been a much different Han Solo, right? Because Harrison Ford's shtick is the oh shit face and the, the way he expresses like shit going wrong around him is, is perfect, especially for his kind of antics in star Wars. So a gum and uh, we, we Burt, Reynolds, had- Burt Reynolds thing was like chewing gum and being unfazed by everything that's going on around him. Right. It's kind of the complete opposite. But see, if he was in Star Wars, we would have an answer to, is there gum in the Star Wars universe? Because <laughs> he'd have had to be chewing it. <laughs> Who's, hey, do, who the fuck is George Lucas at this point? He's going to be like, uh, Bert, can you spell out your gum? <laughs> nah, I don't think so. It's uh, uh, space gum. <laughs> <laughs> this, one, this, this talking dog, he gave me a piece. I don't know. Just write it in there. Yeah. I, I, it's uh, scientifically proven you need it when you're in outer space. Keep your ears from popping. Can we put some T-tops on this Millennium Falcon? <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey, 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 fire fire Eddie Fisher's uh, right. daughter. Let's get fucking Sally Field in here. What if there's a part where I take it off-road? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. It's and then we find out, can we get Dom DeLuise? <laughs> yeah, Chewbacca is recast as Dom DeLuise, and it's just a shirtless Dom DeLuise sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i mean and here you know i i guess i get it like he's kind of like a celebrity who had a little bit of talent pretty good looking that's pretty much what drove him into the into the a-list for a while and you know hey you ever hear him interviewed though like he's kind of a prick yeah I remember him. He's got an inflated ego. He's very judgmental. I remember watching clips a few years ago um, of him on Johnny Carson, different appearances. And I was like, is he playing a character right now? Because he seemed like, yeah, he did kind of seem like kind of standoffish with everybody else that was there except for Johnny Carson. Yeah, it's always, it's hard to tell because Johnny Carson's so good that like, he'd just make it a shtick, right? This will be Burt Reynolds' thing every time. He's going to give me a hard time, you know? So it's, it's kind of hard to judge it when, off of somebody who knows how to do a little bit of improv and, and, and play off of it. But in other interviews, it's, it just gets uncomfortable. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that interview you did with Adam Carolla a few months ago. Yeah. Carolla made a joke, and Reynolds, and, he, and Burt didn't take it so well. 
Yeah, wasn't it like some like slightly uh, typical like Adam Carolla uh, homoerotic kind of stab? Oh, oh, he uh, wasn't it? Uh, no, he was talking about don't, Boogie don't Nights. Don't go there. <laughs> he was talking about Boogie Nights and how he didn't he didn't oh, care for the movie. Right. Yeah, that's you know right, because right. of the subject matter. And and Adam says, "What did it offend your delicate sensibilities?" Yeah, <laughs> 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 Burt Reynolds did not like that comment. <laughs> yeah, I you know I forgot about that. I do remember that now. Uh, he he basically tried to distance himself from Boogie Nights, and I'm like, really? The movie that gave you artistic credit? Yeah, I don't. You know, you don't see Marky Mark walking around bad talking Boogie Nights. <laughs> so yeah, that, like, like your comeback movie was about a stripper in which you appeared in nothing but underwear and cowboy boots slathered in Vaseline. Exactly. <laughs> I like the way it squishes between my toes and my boots. Oh, yeah, that, was, that was an artistic choice, and Boogie Nights was filth. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, God. Well, I guess if there's one thing we can do well on Unregimented, it's slag on the dead. <laughs> Hey, hey, man, I mean, but if they don't care, they're dead. Here's the deal. Being a prick probably got him more pussy than all of us will ever even fucking sniff. (laughs) So, I mean, uh, you know, more power to him, dude. I'm sure his team photo had to be impressive for the time period. I mean, you know, you don't want to meet up with any of these ladies now because it'd be like licking an alligator's stomach, you know. But, uh, (laughs) you know, it's just in his day, uh, he was slinging dick like a boss, I'm pretty sure. So oh, more power, more power to him, I guess, man. It's just really you're gonna slag on boogie nights. <laughs> you're gonna defend Stroker Ace and slag on boogie nights. What the fuck is wrong <laughs> with you, Burt Reynolds? <laughs> Who do you think did more for the mustache, Burt Reynolds or Tom Selleck? Well, you know, I was thinking about that. Tom Selleck actually like lost the mustache here and there. I. Uh, didn't he shave it off when he was doing the uh, uh, when he was playing Monica's boyfriend in he France? Did, he did when they started when they brought him back. Yeah, he was, yeah, that's right. But I mean, it did give us the episode where Chandler grew that Ethan Hawke training day style wispy ass mustache. So I mean, you know, but, <laughs> all I'm saying is that like I know what Tom Selleck's upper lip looks like. I don't know what. Burt Reynolds' upper lip looks like. Oh, The yeah. Longest Yard. The original. Oh, okay. No, you're right. I have seen. I don't think I've seen the movie, but yeah. And uh, and Deliverance. You know what? There we go. There's Now, there's an older movie oh, that, that Deliverance. Every, everybody fucking knew. That, that kind of... I guess that would be the movie that put him on the map, right? And it's not even his scene that everybody quotes. It's so, the... <laughs> It's that poor Ned Beatty. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody, another tweet that was taken way too seriously by many people said, uh, R.I.P. Burt Reynolds, I'll never forget seeing you in Deliverance when I was in the third grade. I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, third graders should be watched that way. I'm like, that's the fucking joke. <laughs> well, I mean, it it did give us the anytime I've ever been in a in a canoe or anything like that, I hear banjos paddle faster. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's definitely stuck in the in the in the public consciousness. But yeah, I mean, that's I I kind of think that that yeah, it was his first big movie, wasn't it? Because I don't. Yeah, it had to have been. I 
yeah, I don't really remember anything before that. And the longest yard, what he didn't have on his upper lip, he more than made up with sideburns. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had some fucking hellacious sideburns in that fucking movie, man. It was well, like, God damn. You know, the I'll give you this. died on your face. As much as he made some not-so-great movies. Like, I think movies like Deliverance in the Longest Yard would have been made without him and probably would have been just fine. And, but even a movie that has, like, a large cast like Cannonball Run, I don't know if it's that successful if you don't have Burt Reynolds. I don't know if anybody removes, remembers ridiculous movies like Gator if it wasn't for Burt Reynolds playing that lead. If it was Joe Don Baker, it would be on Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> so there you go. We're, we're not shitting on the dead. We're saying that Burt right. Reynolds could take a shitty B movie yes. and make it a shitty A movie. <laughs> so. Well, you could you can make it a cult classic. <laughs> Oh, shit. Yes. He's no Jordan Baker. I mean, he's better than that. All right. Well, from one dude who's uh, slinging dick, are, are we gonna are we gonna move on to uh, the 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 dick waving contest that's going on with the confirmation hearing? Oh yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh, the hearings on whether he's going. I mean, I think it's pretty much assured that he's going to be on the Supreme Court. Yeah, abs- absolutely. There's been, there's been no evidence that anything any of this. Uh, trying to prevent him from doing so is going to have any traction at all. So, yeah, it, it, with that in mind, it is kind of a, a bit of a circus show, right? But you mean the, the people dressed up like The Handmaid's Tale didn't change Congress's mind? <laughs> this has been more of uh, who can solidify their position in the 2020 race for president, right? It's just sure. It, it's everyone's almost everyone's going to vote along party lines. Mm-hmm. It's political well, posturing. It's getting your face in front of the camera, just like you said, and getting getting your Q rating up if you want to make a run at the presidency. That being said, I think that Camilla Harris was more successful in that than Cory Booker was. I don't know if you followed either one of these. Like Cory Booker's thing was about well. His issue, as is Camilla Harris, but he was making this kind of his main issue, that there's all these documents that weren't handed over, right? There's all this information, all these emails, all this history of Brett Kavanaugh's work that is to be reviewed by those who are, by this committee. And before, prior to, in, in most cases, this happens, prior to actually questioning the nominee, and not only was a large amount of those documents withheld, only 10% of them were actually released from the White House. The rest held under uh, executive privilege. Even those documents that were released were released to the Republicans first and then have been slowly uh, gave to the uh, opposing side. So that was his complaint. And then in order to protest that, there was some uh, string of emails that was confidential to these uh, hearings that he threatened to make public if they didn't start producing a lot more of these documents for review. And I don't know. These are adults, by the way. I'd like to remind everybody of that. These are full-grown people acting like kids. If you don't show me this, I'm not going to show you that. 
No, I mean, what he's doing is saying that... Uh, I don't know. It's, a, it's kind of a non-story, right? Because yeah. the documents were like marked confidential. People start treating it like this means that it's uh, uh, top secret information that he's releasing. Meanwhile, they had actually that morning uh, made the, the same emails publicly available. Not publicly available, but available to the committee. They were released anyway. And he was... He was doing so with the idea that like his job in the Senate could be threatened by this, which is probably n- nobody's going to bring up again. He's not going to get fired over this. No, because it'll, it'll disappear into the news cycle, like most things. We'll, we'll care for two days and we'll move on. But Camilla Harris's uh, line of questioning was interesting and i don't know if you it, i'd recommend just watching the footage of uh, a little bit of their back and forth because she asked brett kavanaugh a fairly specific question as to whether he's had any conversations with um oh shit i can't remember his name but there's a uh lawyer him and his firm were representing at one time uh trump and the Mueller investigation. And she asked him if he's had conversations with anybody at that law firm about the Mueller investigation. And the way he tries to like dance around this, he's like pauses and has that face like, I'm probably going to have to lie here, but I really don't want to (laughs) lie. So he says, well, well, I'm trying to think if I know anybody that works there because that's a large firm. And she's like, no, I'm asking you a pretty straightforward question. Have you had conversations with any of these people that work for this firm about the Mueller investigation? Well, uh, hmm, stammers a lot more. And this, this guy was like pretty slick through most of these hearings. He had answers for everything. And if he didn't have an answer... He had a good dodge around it. So yeah, he basically said, I don't know. Well, he didn't want to perjure himself, right? He's under oath. And obviously she's asking this question because she knows something. He actually says, I think, he says, well, it seems like you have somebody in mind that, I, that you think I, I may have spoke to. Not in those words exactly. but And she fires back at him. I think you have somebody in mind and you don't want to tell me. Mm-hmm. Ooh, <laughs> that's what the audience would have done if it was in front of a live Maury. audience. Yeah, exactly. Right. Jerry, Jerry. So and the point here being, though, the, the, the greater point is that this is somebody who Trump wants in, in the Supreme Court to rule specifically in his favor. Isn't that most presidents? They, I... George Bush, of, George Bush appointed a Republican. Clinton George, appointed a Democrat. Yeah, but personally, you know, these are. I'm talking. I'm not talking about like my interests are anti or pro-abortion. Like Trump's interests are keeping his job or not, or going to jail possibly or not. Like his own direct personal interest. But again. It's uh, it's not going to stop anything from happening, right? Correct. It, unless something drastic changes in Zoom. Unless 
200 members of, or what's the number? 149 members of Congress just forget to show up, and all of a sudden it's an even vote. Right. Yeah, this is going through. If they just disappear leftover style. Yeah. Or Thanos shows up and snaps his fingers. Well, I have to ask this because I didn't, excuse me, I, I, I've, I, I haven't really seen much footage, but I've heard, you know, the, the <clears throat> clips on like NPR and stuff like that. But what exactly was going on with the protesters? Were they people just standing up and then just interrupting the proceedings and then being escorted out, basically? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, because, yeah, because I, 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 I'm like protesters. Like, First of all, I don't want to give them all a civics lesson. Like, do you know how this works? You, you, you could shout at the top of your lungs all you want. It's not how this process goes. You can't stop it. It's been around for 242 years. But yeah, well, you said something about they were what uh, dressed up as the Handmaiden Tale or something like that. Handmaiden Tale, yes. So I'm assuming that that is in you know response to his position on uh, abortion law, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Which I, I I did hear this clip. He was asked what laws govern a man's body specifically, and he stumbled through. Uh, duh, duh, uh, uh, and I was like, "Oh, you kind of got you kind of got caught up on that one." You have to register for the draft. Do you anymore? Yep. Selective service still a thing? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how much they're enforcing that, but yeah, it's still a thing. All right. Well, I mean. I guess. There you go. Come on, Kevin. I came up with an answer like that. I was going to say, Chris came up with a better answer, and he didn't have to stumble through. Yeah, well, there's, you know, I think the fear is not only that it could, putting him on the Supreme Court help overturn decisions like Roe v. Wade, but that it could even push things further. Um, I guess Brett Kavanaugh is has been vocal about the idea of even having a, what is it called an IUD the yeah. interuterinal or whatever it is I don't know I'm saying yeah. this one interuterine device yes that even that is considered abortion That's really nuts yeah so is a bl- is a blowjob cannibalism yeah. <laughs> if there's spermicide in your condom, is that abortion? It, you know, when because I, 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 like you guys, I truly believe he's going to be confirmed. Whatever. Are we just entering like a twenty to thirty year period where this the the the, the Supreme Court is just going to try to force this country into a much more conservative like Probably. way of life? I mean, is is it is it just the reality of what we're dealing with here? RBG is like what, eighty five or something like that. Think well, she's gonna I, be around much longer. The thing that the thing that ke- that gets me is you know the Republicans have no problem playing dirty to get their guy where they want him. And how do you counter that? Because it's whatever the Democrats is doing is not working. That's all there is to it. All right. I mean, Obama put merit. I forget his last name. Garland? Nominated, yeah, uh, Garland. Yes, nominated him. 
he didn't even get asked one question because Republicans said not happen. I mean, just straight, just straight up on some gangster shit. It was just like, <laughs> I nominate this guy. No, you don't. But I just, no, you don't. Just, right. That any that a lame duck president couldn't nominate, as far as they were concerned. But what you know, one under multiple investigations and being sued is totally fine. Well, on top of that, he he made that nomination farther away from the election than what what was. <sighs> He made that nomination farther away from the day of the election than the initial one that came up when Biden in what ninety two stood up, and which, by the way, Bush still nominated the person he wanted. This is what gets lost in this Biden rule shit. Biden stood up and, and made his case, and the Republicans were like, "That's nice." End of story. Nothing. To, so this this hard and fast rule, this Biden rule that McConnell threw out there, is horse shit. It's it's not a law. It's not a it's not a parameter of uh, electing an, a, a Supreme Court justice. It's we don't want to do it, so we're just going to run with it. Mm-hmm. And what the fuck are the Democrats doing besides doing what they always do, nursing their fucking thumbs with their assholes? I mean, I, okay, I, I get it. You got to get your face in front of the camera. You want to get your fucking, you know, your Q rating up, all that good shit. But what? Why did he get to this point? Why didn't you fight tooth and nail? You see, you see how low these the Republicans will go to get their way. Yeah. And this and, and this and this playing nice isn't working. Yeah, time and for a new strategy. I, I think that's a perfect point there, Rich, because the idea that a lot of the behavior that's happening from the Republicans is not these aren't laws, right? They are using this idea of a certain culture and the way that decorum and the way things that should be done in order to justify behavior that is is not has is <laughs> these procedures are not governed by law these are just shit that they're they're just making shit up basically <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely it's like they're, they're deciding what the rules of this game are as they go along, and it's always to benefit them. I, 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 I almost feel like they're in a round room blindfolded. They're spun around three times, they're let go, and they just throw a dart. And whatever it sticks to, okay, that's what we're going to push, and we're not going to back down from it. And the Democrats pull their limp-wristed, half-assed fucking, oh, but wait a minute. And Republicans go, no, we're not waiting for nothing. And then they just run roughshod over them. Yeah, because it's, what plays for them the best is never backing down. That plays really good with the uh, people with no fear stickers on their on their trucks. Well, I mean, this is this is getting to be a. Pa- I mean, it's not even it's not even beginning to be. It is a pattern for Democrats. They can't they can't keep their own party in line because. You got the people on the, the the fringes of political you know spectrum trying to force their way into the mainstream of the Democratic Party. You got the Democratic Party sabotaging someone to go to the to to for the presidential election because it was Hillary's time. I mean, this is this. How, even if I even if I was a registered Democrat, I'd have to look and be like, this is a pretty fucking low point for Democrats in history. The, At least in my show, lifetime. The Democrats are showing up to play pro football, still dressed in leather hats and a jock strap. <laughs> pretty much. Looking like George Clooney in leather heads. 
they are thinking that they are they are playing a traditional game, not even realizing what rules are being changed as they go along. Well, I mean, if 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 there is, and you're absolutely right, there is a large number of people in this country who are going to respect strength. Mm-hmm. You know, peace through superior firepower type attitude. They know that. You got to stop playing to the fucking the the pencil neck geeks, because those people aren't gonna fucking help you. All right, it, it's 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 not working. You have to show some backbone. Now, I don't mean go out there and 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 roll around in the mud and get so fucking dirty that it just you know, <laughs> let's just drop a bomb on the hill and just get it over with. But you can't keep playing by rules when they're the, the Republicans threw out the rule book. What? <laughs> Eight years ago now? I mean, that's basically, that's basically what, what, what happened with the Tea Party. It's like, no, we're done. We're not doing this no more. And where's their version of that? If they, because we are now looking at the rest of, I mean, if we live to the expected life expectancy of the average American, we could pretty much safely say the rest of our lives, this country is going to take a hard turn to the right based on who's going to be in that, sitting on that Supreme Court. And whether or not I agree with some of their views, I don't agree with enough of it to be happy about that. And I'm really not happy with the people who let the shit happen on their watch. I don't know why they didn't fucking do anything they could to force Obama's nomination through. I don't know why they backed down the minute Joe Biden was brought up. Okay, he said something in 92. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? And I really, I I just, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't understand their game plan here. What's the end game? You're going to lose in 2020? This is why I think this is where the Hitler analogy fails the most when it comes to Trump. This idea that, metaphorically speaking, at some point Trump's going to blow his brains out in a bunker somewhere and then we can declare a victory over the Nazis. Trump, and this uh, op ed piece that came out this week from the uh, unnamed senior executive in the white house saying that don't worry don't worry we've got uh we've got this shit under control (laughs) yeah looks like it is uh is just proof that you can try if trump is the the head of the snake then this snake has actually a hydra it has many more heads and somebody is just going to step right into his place yeah I totally agree with that analogy. You know, this this isn't a movement that is going to die with Trump. Nope. Again, metaphorically speaking, you can take him out of office. Hell, he could even be more po- more popular and more powerful out of office. <laughs> as fucked up as this sounds, if anything does come of all this investigating and he is charged and he is convicted of a crime and he is removed, impeached, whatever. Mm-hmm. You probably just made him a martyr. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it it's like Obi Wan t- told Vader, "Strike me down, and I'll become more powerful than you could ever imagine." Go ahead, because I mean, we've talked about it on the show. Republican, the the old guard of Republicans say this all the time on NPR. The enemy's backyard, by the way, to, for for them. This isn't the Republican Party anymore. This isn't the GOP. This is the party of Trump. And if you're not on board, you're getting rolled over. I mean, and case in point is, look at all the look at all the water Trump's getting ready to go fucking 
carried for Ted Cruz. He couldn't say nothing nice about the guy when he was running against him, but the guy bowed, you know, he bent the knee, showed the emperor the right fucking respect. Okay, I'll go shill for you. So that, I mean, as much as I say the, the Democrats have no backbone, these Republicans who are basically handing their party over to Trump have even less backbone, especially when you hear them talk candidly and they're like, I don't agree with almost anything the man does. And I, now I didn't, I didn't read that op-ed, the, the anonymous well, op-ed, but I did hear I, some highlights from it. And yeah. they basically, even, even Bob Woodward's book, you know, there's people that are going, he's stupid. He is, we're not, I'm, and, and, and that's not an insult. He is literally ignorant of how shit works. He yes. is a danger to this fucking country every day. When they don't want him to sign something, they hide it from him. And here's the bitch of it. He'll forget about it half the time. That's fucking scary. Like, really, you were going to sign a piece of, of paper for an executive decision right. that, that your people hid from you like you're a little kid and your short attention span was like, okay, so uh, fuck Colin Kaepernick. Let me tweet that out at 3 in the morning. I mean, th this is not... This is not a high point in intellectualism in this country as far as our leadership. Well, there's nothing in the op-ed piece that is really all that groundbreaking. Yeah, I mean, exactly. That, that is what I thought. I was like, all of this is, we're two years in, all of this is, should be no, no surprise to anybody at this mm -hmm. point. We've heard plenty of stories from anonymous sources in the White House about things that he's done. And it's, the, the piece is vague intentionally so in order to protect the author. You know, you know pussy? Yeah, the, the person who wants to remain nameless. I mean, look, this is scarier than uh, I think uh, just having Trump as a president, honestly. Because who made this person and whoever their co-conspirators are, the, the ones that, I mean, at least, the, look, Say what you want about Trump. He was put into office legally, right? By the system that we had to elect a president, he achieved that office. So he holds that power for as long as he's president. The idea that that power is in the hands of unelected officials, that's just anti-American. That goes against the system completely. And whoever did write this article, this op-ed piece, is spineless trash, who has no faith in the American system at all, and is just out for personal power. This is clearly somebody who's, like, first of all, sure, you, you think that Trump needs to be reined in somewhat, right? So that what we've seen is a result of a reined-in Trump, which means that we're seeing this Let's call them the deep state. This is essentially what they are. This is, you know, the, the unelected officials making the decisions on this. And this is your version of what, this is what you're okay with? Then no, I don't want you in power either. You know, the, here's the fucked up thing. I mean, I agree with you about, you know, anonymous and, and, and it comes off looking a certain way. I, I, but at the same time, Anybody who signed their name to that op-ed was signing their own death warrant. Well, yeah, but that is the stance that should be taken in this circumstance. If you think that the president is that much out of control, that he's danger, he's a danger to this nation, to people's safety, then you, you're kind of obliged to quit your job and yeah. speak out. You know, if you're a senior 
If you're actually a senior official, then your words and your actions will have weight and meaning and possible consequence. And that's how it should be done. So, I mean, either this, either the person who wrote this is, is a senior official and is just trying to position themselves to remain in power when the inevitable transition comes that Trump leaves, right? Somebody has to take the reins of that Trump movement. He can't be president forever. We hope not. And uh, and so some, you know, and, and if he is completely, if he is actually impeached, if he's removed from office, if he's actually even jailed, if he's completely discredited, somebody's got to still play to that that base. They yeah, I mean, lose, this could be they, someone they trying to set themselves Trump. up for 2020. Yes. Or, or just set themselves up to remain in the White House in their current position of power, right? Maybe they just get another boob in. Well, what we need to find next to run for uh, Republican nominee is somebody who uh, has, is just as malleable as Trump is, but doesn't have all the criminal baggage, right? So that way they can't impeach him. I don't know. I, what? I also look at it, too, is, I mean, just break it down to, like, just our jobs, right, or our lives. We've all probably had a job or two in our lives where we just, we couldn't stand the environment, we couldn't stand the person we worked for. We quit. Like, I, I, I really call into to question this person's credibility that, you know, they're talking about, you know, he's a horrible person and, and all this stuff. And, but, but you're not quitting. You're staying. Yeah. You, you wrote an anonymous article. How pissed off are you really? And it's not even like they'd be making... They, they, they could probably make more money quitting and speaking out and writing a book yes. and doing the tour and all that shit than they're making at the White House, right? So they, they're remaining there because they're clinging on to their power. They see their power slipping <laughs> through their fingers and they don't, wanna, they don't want it to leave with the current president. They see the writing on the wall as this president is not long for this White House, and I want to save my own ass. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it You're told us no, it told us no new information. I and mean, honestly, I, well, I don't know if I was I was responsible. I was making the decisions of what opinion pieces get published in the New York Times, and I had, I mean, I would assume that there's some sort of verification of the source, even if it's not direct, that it came from somebody that's trusted in some way. You can't just have any Yahoo write this letter and they just run it because like, hell, oh, they say that they're a senior White House official. So the identity of this person is known by someone and it's only a matter of time before it gets out there. But I, I don't it's, know. I forgot, I forgot where I was going. It's chicken shit move. It, it, it is, is, it is, is virtue it, signaling of the highest order. It's chicken shit. It's completely self-serving. It does nothing to nothing to anything, really, right? I mean, it, it doesn't enlighten anyone's idea of Trump, whether they had a positive or negative view about him. It probably helped Bob Woodward sell a few books. It, it may tangentially. I mean, it, it is basically confirming a lot of the the reports in his book, or at least the general atmosphere in the White House, not any not any direct claims. 
so I mean, basically, let me let me see if I can I can deconstruct this to, and, and try to get it down to its its base ingredients here. Basically, you're saying you guys are afraid that this this quote unquote resistance to Trump that's inside his own his you know his own entourage. You're afraid that if they do have their way and they do they do clandestinely get themselves into position of power, they're going to be worse than Trump. Um, no, they're holding that, out for somebody smarter than Trump. It's not. It's not about so, being worse than Trump. It's about they're they're okay with Trump's agenda. They're not okay with the way that he executes it and constantly gets himself into trouble. Mm-hmm. They're, he's actually, they realize that Trump is his own worst enemy. They're fine with less Mexicans coming into this country. They don't think that Trump is effective at accomplishing that. So, yeah, they could be worse than Trump. I mean, because I'm sure I'm going to, like I said, I haven't read the op-ed. I've, I've seen quotes. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm sure there's going to be at some point a spin put on this that this is like, you know, a Valkyrie type situation. You know, the, the Hitler's own men trying to take him out because they were. I was relax, just going to say, this, you know? th- this comes across too as kind of maybe a power grab. You're trying to character assassinate right. the person, you know, that preceded you. You know, and, and that's and, what happens in Man in the High Tower. You know, in this it's fictional version, Hitler survives because the, the Nazis win. And gets ill, and eventually there's other people coming in to conspire against him. But it doesn't mean that they're not Nazis. They, they are still Nazis. <laughs> they just want to be the head of the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, there's no such thing as a kinder, gentler Nazi. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, the, I mean, anyone thinking of this person as a hero in any respect is completely dis- deluded. I mean... Sure, okay, have a little joy in your heart, like I do, for the fact that the president reads this and his blood pressure goes up, right? I mean, that's the only positive effect here is that I know that shit like this gets under his skin because he's so transparent. That's what I love about these tapes, actually, too, because we get to hear, like, say as much about as you want about how much Trump blatantly lies. Well, he lies in the way that he has a bunch of facts that he has uh, preloaded, and he can say them with a straight face. But let somebody actually, let him have to actually lie to a person face to face or in a one on one conversation. He's fucking horrible at it. Oh, no, I, I didn't know. No, nobody told me. Oh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> El Rosa. Damn it. <laughs> right. Oh, t- oh t- darn. Just, just darn, you know? And he's doing the same thing with Bob Woodward because the whole reason that Bob Woodward released the tape of his conversation with the president is to basically let everyone know, look, I don't have any direct sourcing with the president, but it's not for lack of trying. It was all of his people that I talked to that kept me away from him. I just, when I heard the, the when I heard the tapes, it's just like, again, I've said it before. If I was in charge of him, I go, shut up. Stop talking. <laughs> like, it, it's it, just some of the shit he says. I just got to shake my head. It's like, you live in a world of denial, sir. You are not it, the best president funny. we have ever had. Because uh, Bob Woodward says to him, you know, I've tried to, you know, I've talked to your people. I don't know how things work over there. 
Now, basically, say, I'm not sure who the right people are to even to talk to, to to make sure to get to you because everyone was stonewalling me. But he says, I'm not sure how things run over there. And Trump and me says, oh, very well. Oh, things are running very well over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, obviously. Looks like it. Yeah, the deep state is in the White House. Things are obviously running really well. And you know what this is going to do, ultimately? It's going to add more fuel to the fire to the fucking Trump conspiracy bunch. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you know, that that, that have already elevated the deep state up there with like, you know, we never went to the moon, the JFK assassination. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not going anywhere now. I mean, Jesus Christ. Did you guys see that that it wasn't just people who were protesting that showed up at the confirmation hearing? Here come Alex Jones making all kinds of accusations about what <laughs> about 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 the the shadow government and shadow silencing and yeah shit. yeah what was the term he kept using shadow, shadow banning yeah shadow banning that's yeah. it yeah did you so you saw him and Marco Rubio. Yep. Don't touch me. <laughs> I, he was like such watching, a fucking idiot. It's like watching two kids in the back seat. Don't touch me. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Don't touch me. It's like, oh my god. Children, say, like, please. Marco Rubio. Oh, I thought kept his cool around Alex Jones. Um, you know, the, Alex Jones was was reacting ridiculously. I would look. First of all, why the fuck are you putting your hand on his shoulder like you're his friend you're confronting the guy so yes any touch is going to be considered a, 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 a somewhat aggressive move right it wasn't I know what he did was technically a friendly pat but do you think there were any friendly intentions in that touch no and Alex Jones he's known to pull shit like that when he crashed the Young Turks at I want to say the Democratic National Convention. When he like they were live, you know, streaming live, and he just walked up. He he did the same shit. Like he got super close to you know one of the uh, talking heads and like kind of like you know doing the the whole I'm intimidating you, but not really. You can't you know. And it's like can someone just slap this asshole? And I liked Margaret Rubio's response. I don't believe that he doesn't know who Alex Jones is, but the fact that he treated him with like, who the hell is even this guy? And then the stupid bitch reporter that's got the mic in his face is like, Infowars.com. And I'm like, bitch, play along. Jesus. <laughs> Take an improv class, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I mean, his attitude is basically like, I don't need to address these ridiculous things that Alex. And, I love the way that Alex Jones positions himself, too. Like, at one point, he actually stands next to Marco Rubio like he's being interviewed as well. Yeah, that's what I'm like. He is known for doing silly, like, playing games like that. That's the only way I can really describe it, because that's what he's doing. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give him credit, too, like, for what he wanted to accomplish. He, he was very good at it. He wanted to be a pro provocative prick. Pretty much. 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Hey, you did it. <sighs> well, I mean, hey. I. But you, you know he's kicked off of Twitter now, too. Yeah, his, his timeout turned into a ban. Yeah, so 
there's going to be a lot of like you know Alec moans joining Twitter yeah. here soon. <laughs> and, and, a lot, and there are a lot of people celebrating on Twitter, and I'm like, look, the block and or mute function didn't work for you. Just yeah. knowing that he was out there somewhere in on that platform was driving you mad. I mean, you know, I was, I've been thinking about this, like you know, because this is this is something we come back to every once in a while about you know, really folks. Like silencing someone because you disagree with them, like well, when did this become the norm? When 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 was this normalized? Well, I mean, when you really think about it, we're what seventeen years removed from nine eleven. Not that not that longer before it wasn't that long after the Patriot Act was introduced. We don't need a reason. We're just going to wiretap Americans and listen to your phone calls and blah 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 and. Well, well, no, well, actually, at first it was, no, we're not going to do that. And then when they got caught, they were like, well, of course we did that. You, get, you, you let us pass the legislation. Why wouldn't we do that? <laughs> you know? And, I mean, and you, 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 you follow the, you know, the trail. You go from, you have you know, a generation who, that's all they know, to where, okay, you don't even need probable cause anymore. You just feel some way about, a certain way about somebody. Well, Take away their due process. It doesn't matter. Shut them up. That's all that matters. It's the end results. You have to know, like, what... <laughs> you have to understand that your government's going to do whatever you let them get away with, right? And they say that they need uh, surveillance techniques in order to spy on terrorists, okay? But unless you put certain restrictions on that, they're going to do whatever they can with that. It's like giving a, uh, a teenage kid a telescope. He says, I needed to watch the stars. No, I promise I'm not going to point it next door to see my, uh, uh, you know, the, the next door neighbor undressing. Of course they're going to. They're going to do whatever you let, the, whatever they can with the tools that you, they have available. I mean, it is, I, and I, I, I don't know, it's, it's this trust, like, oh, we're just going to let, we're just going to give you this power and trust that you know what to do with it. And who are you trusting? Like, <laughs> exactly. For as much as, as I hear bitching and moaning from the younger coming from the younger generations about the government, boy, they sure trust them a lot. Yeah. And it's like, look, I don't trust anybody who's completely in power. I don't care what side they're from. That's why we have a, a system. We're supposed to have a system of checks and balances. There's a reason for that. And it's it it's like we all know that if this was the 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 Democrats guy in office, and he got in office using some of the same tactics, maybe obviously not the same language, maybe doesn't shoot himself in the foot quite as much, because right. you gotta you gotta tiptoe through the minefield with Democrats, whereas Republicans are like, we just want to win, baby. We come from the Al Davis school of football, just win. So. I mean, but they would have no problem with this, and they would they would blindly support their guy, just like the right is blindly supporting Trump. And well, it's 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 a very scary thought because ultimately you're just blindly trusting government. And I I I have to wonder in the in the in you know the the wake of the McCain death tour. I swear to God, he's got more frequent flyer miles than Chris now, and he's dead. Um, is is this political posturing of not reaching across the aisle just for our benefit to play to the base? Is it business as usual behind closed doors, or is this genuine hatred for the other side? I mean, is this playing for votes, or is this genuine hatred? Because 
playing for votes is business as usual in politics. If it's genuine hatred, it's going to get a lot uglier before it gets any better. I think it little column A, little column B, quite honestly. Yeah, it does seem like uh, there's been a, a, a cultural shift in Washington. I mean, there's been plenty of people talking about, you know, when they were speaking about McCain. He was like the last guy that the opposition could have lunch with because everybody else was, you know, they received their marching orders. You're not to give the, the Democrats the time of day. They are the enemy and should be treated as such at all times. And I mean, it's vice versa. It's, it, oh, really, yeah. it, it really is rewiring how we think about things. Like I saw it in 2004 with the term flip-flopper for John Kerry, and I'm like, he mm-hmm. changed his thoughts yeah. based on new information. That's not flip-flopping. That's called thinking, okay? So now thinking right. is... It, but Which is an it, essential quality for having a president, right? No matter how much pre-briefing you might get as a person who is running for candidate, every single person that gets that job is going to be privy to a whole lot of new information, and some of that might actually change their minds. Exactly. And it should. I mean, and we're, we're now in the middle of cooperating. Reaching across the aisle is now considered giving comfort to the enemy. And I mean, I've heard this language used by 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 you know people talking politics and political pundits and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going, do you realize how vital or volatile that language is? Do you realize that you're, that was like when Bush came out, when W came out and was talking about, we're going to lead a crusade against radical Islam. It was like, Oh, W really, you had to say the word crusade and Islam. Did someone not give him a history book? Condoleezza Rice. What the fuck are you doing? Hand him a history book, all right? I mean, seriously. Like, there was, there was like a collective face palming of people. Even people, even Republicans I knew were like, oh, that's going to open a can of worms. That's going to leave a mark. And it's like it's done now, and we don't, even, we don't even question it. No one stands up and goes, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not enemies, okay? You want to get right down to it. We're all citizens of the same country who disagree on what direction the country should go in if you start setting up sides and and throwing ultimatums and absolutes at each other we've been down that road once before do we really want to go are we in that big of a hurry to go back down it yeah but i mean it's it's all about winning it's all about winning well i mean not about moving forward is it just winning let me ask you guys something because maybe it's just me Maybe I'm starting to romanticize my, my youth because I'm you know I'm getting older, whatever. But I remember it seems like I remember a time when politics wasn't a zero sum game. No, you're correct. When when both sides could 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 compromise with each other and, and gain a little progress towards their ultimate goal, it wasn't you get nothing, I get everything, and that's the only acceptable outcome. Yeah, that that shift has happened. I think yeah. probably in like the last twenty years. But this is. I can only credit this as a, a cultural shift in our country. I don't think this is like a. Uh, I don't think this is a shift in the culture of our representatives. No. We get the representatives that we want. Man, I'm just in yes man mode. I also agree with that statement. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, but no, but it's it, it's because no, we have this. It's uh, it, it's it, it's it all reminds me of like Cartman. When he did whatever, 
whatever, I do what I want. It, it reminds <laughs> me of that kind of mentality. Like we've 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 shifted to that. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah, what I'm getting what I want and fuck you. We're we're overloaded with issues and you know, I think the Republicans realize this early on. The during the Bush administration, the second Bush administration, I think they started to realize what the twenty four hour news cycle was doing to people. And that if they could just boil that down to catchphrases, that way people could back those issues without having to actually be informed about anything, that, that would be uh, more effective. And meanwhile, you know, Democrats just tried to explain everything to everyone. And they're like, I've already got too much information in my head. Sorry, I wasn't listening for the last five minutes. What were we talking about? <laughs> And then they toss in trying to tell people how to live their lives, and yeah. a lot of people don't want to hear that shit. Yeah. You know, there's a healthy part of the, the Republican message that was like, you're perfect the way you are. You are America. Don't ever <laughs> change. I, I just, I, 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 try to, I try to come at, at, at all this from, di- from, from new angles and different perspectives mm-hmm. to see if maybe I can come up with uh, not such a dour outlook. And it seems like every time I do, like if I take two steps in one direction, man, I get shoved back ten steps. And I'm just like, really, really, is this this is this is it? Then this is this is us. Well, what do you think about? Uh, did you hear the news about Steve Bannon being invited to speak at the? Uh, oh, what was it the uh, uh, Steve? The New Yorker, uh, whatever the festival that they have is. Have all these people come out and speak, and yeah, sloppy Steve Bannon was invited by David Remnick to come speak at this symposium, whatever you want to call it, this annual event that they have, and a lot of people, a lot of big names that were scheduled to speak there, so that they wouldn't show up if Steve Bannon was invited. Uh, I think the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Judd Apatow. But there are many people who said, there's no way that I'm showing up if Steve Bannon is invited to this party. And I guess, you know, the New Yorker and David Remnick were left with uh, the option of either just canceling it or uninviting Steve Bannon. Wow. This is us. We are... We are perpetual seven-year-olds on the playground yep. going, if I don't get what I want, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Yep. You're either for me or against me. Mm-hmm. There's no middle ground. I'm kind of torn on this one. I mean, if you, if you believe that Steve Bannon is a white supremacist, I think that that changes whether he should be invited in the first place or not. Yeah, but aren't you the, if, if you aren't you the guy that you follow conservatives on Twitter so you know what the, the enemy's up to? I mean, that's what I would say to all these people that would refuse to that would refuse to attend. Right. I mean, I think that I think that Steve Bannon. I have seen no evidence of him being a good debater, and this is somebody who would get eviscerated by many people. So, uh, well, you know what's you know what's interesting is just earlier today, someone posted a clip of Anthony Bourdain from 2011 on Bill Maher's show. 
mm-hmm. and it was the one-on-one interview halfway through the show. And it was like a five-minute clip. And then, of course, they did the, the shot of the entire panel. And I had to, I was like, wait a minute. I didn't see what I just saw. And I had to pause it. And it was Neil deGrasse Tyson and Steve Bannon on the panel. And I'm thinking, this is 2011 when this happened. That ain't happening in 2018. Somebody would, somebody would protest and refuse to appear with them and et cetera, et cetera. And on and on. And that this is not that's not good. Like this is not a this is not a win for your side if Bill Maher goes, Okay, well, fuck it. I'm gonna have Steve Bannon on no matter what. It's not that doesn't mean the Republicans won. And if he goes, Okay, well then I refuse to have him on, it doesn't mean the Democrats won. It just means an opportunity to expose someone as possibly being the things you accuse him of has been lost to actually put him to take and drop him into the middle of the fucking frying pan and say, now let's see what you got. Yeah. Put him on the hot seat. I mean, I, I, that is, that is the scariest part of all these conversations we have is that we have stopped. It seems like as a society, the belief that sunlight and, and is the best way to expose somebody instead. It's shut them up. Disinfectant. Yes. Shut them up. Get them well, out of here. What, that's what Ma- Malcolm Gladwell was, uh, his response to it. He said, I, I thought the idea of these types of symposiums were to have a free exchange of, of ideas. And many people shot back with the, the fact that, and I, I agree with the idea that Steve Bannon doesn't really have any ideas that are worth debating. Um, then I you should be able to shut him down immediately. Right. So then he's a layup, right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, does this mean discourse is just officially dead? Whether it's not about really Steve Bannon, right? It's Steve Bannon is an example and somebody who will stand up as an example of people all across the country who think like him. So there's not this this idea that you can deplatform him. That, well, you know, if you take this type of uh, exposure away from Steve Bannon or Alex Jones or somebody like that, this idea that you can stifle a movement, when, again, these it's kind of like what I was talking about Trump. These are all opportunists. These are people who are seeing a movement of people that all think in a certain way and positioning themselves in leadership roles of that movement. There's, you know, when, when what people see in somebody like Steve Bannon or Alex Jones, it's not somebody sitting down and going, I'm a really open-minded person. Let's see if I can be swayed by this. Huh. He actually makes some really good points. He's changing my mind on these issues. That's not the person, there's no converts that are being swayed by it. It's people who are turning on their televisions and going, oh, this guy's been saying what we've been saying all along. Well, you know, I've said this to people who really hate Alex Jones. All right. And I'm like, shutting him up is just, is just, is just giving more ammo to his supporters. Yep. He's a martyr. That's all it is. The best way 
to to see first of all where you stand with someone who supposedly supports Alex Jones is to go to YouTube, pick any of the dozens the last time I checked of half hour to hour long videos of all his predictions and claims that have been absolutely false and bullshit and say watch it and if they go i don't need to watch it then you know who you're dealing with you're dealing with someone who's a fucking idiot move on end of story but if you do that guess what there will be people that go oh wait a minute this guy's a fucking moron i mean you could spend a half hour just watching his predictions on y2k and be like this guy was full of shit back then yes he was a fucking sideshow freak for well, the fucking the, the the Austin the hipsters in Austin back in the late nineties early two thousands, right? It's not even that all of his supporters believe everything that he says, right? There's people that watch Alex Jones who understand. Well, the Sandy Hook stuff is all bullshit, but that's just part of his performance, right? He's just doing that for the clicks or whatever. But he's right on these other things. Well, I mean, I, that's that's the problem. That's that's where we're at right now. Is, and I mean, this is a, once it's again selective belief. It's being able to just yep. like cherry pick everything. Yep. I mean, it's 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 like it's like the Christians won, and and you know the Christians who just cherry pick from the Bible. It's uh-huh. like they've won, and now it's just become our. It's so ingrained in our culture. We do it everywhere. Yep. Listen you know, I, I believe in the Bible, but you know that whole like you know don't mix like you know. Your cloths and eat meat on Friday. Get the fuck out of here. I want a fucking ribs on Friday. Well, we're talking about something that most Trump supporters basically do. You know, like the the real religious Trump supporters ignore the fact that he's been married three fucking times and he's cheated on his oh, wife. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I see it every fucking day with my family on social media, and I just shake my head because if he was anybody else, he would be a heathen, and this would be unacceptable. And he's, you know, he needs to atone for his sins. And best thing he could do is ask Jesus for forgiveness and all this stuff. But because it's Trump, he gets a pass. And if you want, I mean, and I've said it before on this show, just same thing with, with Clinton, with the Me Tooers. The vast majority of the, of the people that, that are, you know, run around, you know, hashtag Me Too, look the other way on what the Clinton White House, the character assassination they did on anybody who had the balls to fucking make an accusation against him. Yeah, they basically do the whole why you got to bring up old shit argument. No. I mean, like, like, isn't that one of, like, Jesus's better points was that you can only believe the man who walks the walk? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. it, it's, uh, it's something about where it's, yeah, the, the people on the street corners are full of shit. It's the people that you don't hear from. They're the true believers. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing the man. Yeah. I don't think there's much cussing in the Bible. Well, the words ass and cock are in there a few times. <laughs> I think those are animals. Hey, it still counts when you're like six. I got to say <laughs> ass. <laughs> well, on a lighter note, I have to ask you guys. Yeah. Did, you see yeah. the, did you see the continuing... Uh, infatuation of W with Michelle Obama during McCain's funeral. I saw the uh, the Werthers that she got passed. I'm assuming you, it was. Did you see the look on his face? He looked so pleased with himself to give to pass her a Werthers. Like like he just gave her a diamond ring or something. That dude, I'm telling you, He's he got still- a bad case of jungle fever. He wants some of that. <laughs> like seriously. And if you notice, yeah. They're sitting next to each other. 
and Obama and Laura Bush are giving them both the side eye. <laughs> like, get off my Kool-Aid, motherfucker. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. You might be reading a little bit. And I took it. That's just like... As much as uh, that guy's still a douchebag, you know, you can't, you have to admit he's got this like boyish, innocent charm to him. And that was like, you know, he was sneaking a note in class or something like, I'm going to get away with this. I, man, I, I don't know. I've seen too many pictures of whenever they're, they're together and he just, he's way too happy to be around her. I mean, it's like, it's like, and I, I, I gotta know, I gotta wonder if she's like, hey, Barry, check this fool out. He thinks, seriously, look at this jackass. Do you believe this shit? Do we need anything from him? I could probably talk him into it. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. I think. Hey, watch this. I bet you George is going to flirt with me. <laughs> he's like, W? <laughs> Yeah, just yeah, W. HW is a given. He's already grabbed my ass. <laughs> yeah, he said shake it, Darky, after he did it. I don't know. I, I guess that's what passes for flirting in his time. But no, I mean, like, I, if I was her, I would, I would I'd be, I'd be like, hey, hey, check this out. I'm going to make him blush and just accidentally lightly brush his arm and watch him turn four shades of red with that goofy grin on his face. Like, oh, boy. Oh, boy. Cue the Stevie Wonder music. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Michelle. Where the sleeveless number W is going to be there tonight? Let's have some fun with them. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have to say, I heard this on another podcast, and I got to agree with it. I didn't really, I didn't care for the man at all as president, and I mean, he was pretty much a puppet president for the people behind him. But out of all the presidents, I'd probably want to hang with him the most. He seems like he'd be the most fun. Like if I want to sit and talk policy. <laughs> I'd hang out with Obama. If I want to sit and talk pussy, I'd, I'd hang out with Clinton. Jesus, Carter, and I don't even know if, if Daddy Bush can even have a conversation more. But if you want to sit and talk about the time that he got so hopped up on an eight ball that he forgot where he was and ended up pissing all over some, you know, somebody's house, that's George Bush. <laughs> that's the dude you want to hang with. You can with. hang out with W and Clinton and talk about partying and whoring. <laughs> I mean... I, yeah, but even even Clinton, I don't think he'd ever drop that artifice right in front of you. Like no. I don't think I don't think you could have a normal conversation with Bill Clinton. I feel like you could with W. I agree I, with you on that. I I maintain this, man. Especially, I, after, I don't think that's any. I don't think that's any prerequisite for being a president. No, not at I'm all. Stating it as fact. <laughs> no, there's plenty of guys I like to hang out with and party with, but they they don't need to be anywhere near politics. <laughs> that's, that, you know. Tom Arnold said it best in his advertisement for the, the his show, the, the the Trump tapes. He goes, I've known Donald Trump for 30 years. He's pretty much a goofy, funny guy and, 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 a, and a meathead like me. But I don't need to be president either. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, right. Yeah, I've, dr I've drank a lot with some good guys in my, in my past. But if any of them start running for president, I'm going to dish all that shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd be like... <laughs> no, no, dude. You're the guy who passed out in the chair, fell backwards, and didn't wake up. <laughs> we just left you there, sitting on the ground, on the in the chair still. Well, I mean, I but I I still maintain, especially after Aretha Franklin's funeral. I swear, there's some there's some dementia going on with Bill Clinton. 
because he has that dementia stupor, and the only thing that pulled him out of it was Ariana Grande in that fucking dress. Like, pussy is the only thing that, t- that drags him back to the real world. <laughs> that, is, that, is the, that is his last thread to, to sanity, is pussy. That's it. We, expect, we know how to recognize lust in Bill's eyes, but the fact that he couldn't even keep his mouth shut during her performance, like, come on. That's what I'm saying. He this- looks like a starving man watching someone eat a steak dinner. Right. He was just like, oh, oh boy. And I mean, like, I'm just going, you got to be kidding. You are the fucking former president. She's standing in front of you. Do you situational awareness? You know, there's cameras on you, stupid. Close your mouth. (laughs) Or your hearing is shot. Like, are you just really entranced with the performance? (laughs) Oh, Jesus. God. That, oh. It is, like, I mean, we we have had a cokehead, a former head of the CIA, drug lord, a, a, a B movie actor, and a pussy hound as president. For, <laughs> for, for you know, all right in a row. I oh, mean, we've Jesus had a lot God. of pussy hounds, probably more than we know. But I mean, unabashedly, even even JFK when when Marilyn Rose up there like. Happy birthday, Mr. He's like, bitch, my wife is here. Shut up. My family's here. <laughs> I'm going to send Bobby over with some fucking sleeping pills. What's wrong with you, bitch? <laughs> yeah, it seems like the bar has dropped quite a bit since Carter. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think this country would, if we elected a president as boring as Carter, no matter how good of a job he did, we would, we would impeach him just because he bored us to death. <laughs> like maybe maybe that's the lesson we need to take from politics in this in 2018 is that you can pretty much do whatever you want just don't bore me that's the, that's the worst sin yeah. like, like you gotta keep it interesting man it's definitely been interesting the last couple of years yeah interesting as in that curse may you live in interesting times yeah one thing you gotta give Donnie John he keeps it interesting <laughs> that's that's one way of putting it <laughs> Well, hey, Rich, uh, I know we've been kind of making a thing about it lately, doing a little Castle Rock uh, post-show, but I got to ask, man, did you see the last episode? Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Can we just talk about that for a minute? Yeah. that. Uh... I mean, if, you're, if you have not caught up on, on Castle Rock, this is going to be a very spoiler-filled conversation because otherwise I don't know how we can even talk about this episode. Uh, yeah, there's no way without getting into spoilers. It's impossible. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll call him uh, uh, Billy the Kid and Billy Jr. That way we <laughs> Billy the Kid being Skarsgård and, and Billy Jr. being the young version of, of uh, Henry. Because I... I, I right. <laughs> this, okay, this is where I was like, "All right, well, let's just there's, there's let's no just t- forego the PC language and call them Black Henry and White Henry." For, oh, I mean, that's great cool. clarification. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, this this was like beyond a shadow of a doubt. Whoever's writing this, they to me, they episode six hit on all cylinders. Seven and eight kind of seem like they were adrift. They've righted the ship with this. And this is definitely, these writers, any doubt that I started to have that maybe they don't know the Stephen King universe all that well, yeah. they know it really well. 
That's this what it seems like, and that's why I was really interested on in your take because there's a lot of this that is there's a lot that they're pulling from. I know that is not from the Stephen King stuff that I know really well. I know a lot, a lot more of the more popular horror stories, the weirder stuff, the the uh, the Dark Tower stuff. I never really dove into that, and that seems like where they're lifting a lot of this from. Absolutely. I mean, there's a podcast I listen to called The Losers Club that's just a Stephen King podcast. And they've even given up all pretense of calling it anything, but calling the, the was it the schism? Schisma? The schisma, yeah. They don't even call it that. They just call it what they call it in the Dark Tower books, which is the thinny. And, they, and, and this is something that I thought of and then I forgot. But the way it's described, the noise that the thinnies make, the thin spots between, you know, worlds. They 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 said it was like someone with a bow playing a uh like a steel saw. So there's a high pitched okay. noise. Right. What's the noise everyone hears? The high pitched noise. Yeah. And I mean it's like in in the whole ka is a wheel. Ka being like I guess another word for karma and everything, you know, everything will come back around to where it began again. And you're you're just kind of trapped in this this you know each alternate world alternate universe is kind of trapped in its own time loop that really played out by the end of it and I was like uh. right because if I understand that final scene correctly then not only did the so the the Henry Deaver that was born to the Deavers right yeah not the one that they adopted. That one in that version, that that alternate timeline, lived his whole life up to adulthood, was transported to a different universe in a different time, and then that is the very same guy that we saw at the beginning of this season that was trapped in the cage, right? He spent yeah. that whole time in that cage. That's the same person. That's not a different version of him. And it's interesting. And the same it, thing for the other, the adopted Henry Deaver as well. That missing period where he disappeared, he was somehow he spent in a cage and somehow got back to his own time. I don't know, or his own history, or I don't even know how to explain it. it is is that right? Is that how you took it? Yeah, I took it as he slipped from he that that. That white Henry slipped into black black Henry's reality, right? And it was just dumb luck that he ended up there. Now, I mean, here's here's another thing that's that's it's another layer of of I'm not sure if they're going this way. I, I honestly don't think so because they haven't really foreshadowed it a lot. But there is <clears throat> in the Stephen King universe in the book The Talisman. There's you know alternate universes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's things called twinners where you exist. You may not look exactly like that person, but that's still you. And if you go to that universe, you inhabit that person's body. And then there's people who, in every alternate universe, and this is very few people, very select people, except for one, your twinners all died. So you remain you when you flip into the next world. Uh And I'm wondering if that's kind of like these are two examples of Henry Deaver that literally... Every, all their other twinners except for them two are dead. Right. And that's well, why they, they can exchange and deal with each other. They cross over at the same time, right? Because when we see 
the natural born, the white version of Henry Deaver that is transported in time and across to a parallel universe, he is at that, we don't know this for sure, but I take it as that moment that we've seen repeated in this season of young black Henry Deaver running across the ice away from uh, Al, the uh, Alan young Pangborn. Alan Pangborn. Yeah. That is, he's running away from him because he slipped over, right? Remember when we see them slip through the, the thinny in the woods? Mm-hmm. They're running away from the cop who's like, where the fuck are they going? They can't even hear him, right? I think that's the same thing that's happening to that young Henry Deaver. So those transitions are like... It, the reason that this version of Henry Deaver is able to come over to this universe is because it's at the same. Well, it's not the same point, but it's you, you know, because it's it's shifted in time as well. But it has to be during the point where the other Henry Deaver jumps over. Exactly. Yeah, and it's and it it also something that I caught, and I'm not. It it seems like in the reviews, it hasn't. There's only been a few reviews of it that I've read or or recaps of it that other people seem to have caught and made a big deal of is when the cop supposedly shoots Molly, he says, I didn't I fired in the air. Right. And I didn't I didn't understand that. I mean, if that's a very thin spot to where all these worlds you can literally walk through multiple alternate universes in that in that part of the woods in Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. That could have been the the same incident happening in an alternate, you know, timeline or alternate universe. That just bled over, and, she, and, and you know, she right. caught a stray bullet from the cop from that universe, from that but there, world. But there is something. It's it's kind of weird because they're both Henry Deaver, right? But there's something about the kid version of Henry Deaver, the the black one, that has this certain power, right? Because he see like he's already slipped into the other universe and Molly doesn't see it until she touches him. And that's because she's already empathic. She doesn't, this version of her doesn't know it until then, but we already know that the version of, uh, of uh, Molly that we've seen in the other history is very empathic. So she sees the other universe when she touches Henry Deaver the young Henry Deaver. And then the older Henry Deaver doesn't see it until Molly actually dies. If you notice, it's not until you her eyes finally close after being shot that all of a sudden he sees that universe. Yeah. I think some, something seems to pass from her to him. And I don't know what that means. Like, But there, you know, if it was just something about both Henry Deavers, then he should be seeing it without the assistance of, of whatever. I, I don't know. It's it's it. I think like something seemed to have passed from young Henry Deaver to Molly to old Henry Deaver. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 And and I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you had any insight of that, knowing your your Stephen King better than I do. Not. I mean, not really. Outside of. I mean, obviously, what Molly has is The Shining. That's what in the Stephen King universe. That's what, like, okay. that's what Carrie. If you mean if, the Shining, yeah. trying to get sued, boy. If if uh, if Carrie had met Dick Halloran, the cook from the book The Shining, he he would have instantly recognized her as someone else who has it. Okay. Um, and there's been other characters through you know 
his books that have had it and they call it different things, but it's all the same. It's all the same thing. Um, it's weird. Okay. This is, this is going to get really weird. The, the thinnies are naturally, the, the, the pro, thinnies occur because the beams that hold the dark tower up, which is the center, the linchpin of, of reality in Stephen King universe are weakening. And so the, the walls between worlds are ter- are breaking down. So thinnies are happening because of that reason. But there can be man-made or magical-made ways to go from one world to another. But there's also a third way, but it's very rare it happens. It's through death. And one of the quotes... Wait, meaning that, was, that like death allows that person to slip or their death creates... It allows, oh. them, it allows them to slip into another world okay um and case in point in the first dark tower book the gunslinger roland meets jake he he hypnotizes jake says how did you like meets him in a way station in the middle of a desert by and he instantly recognizes this kid is not from this this world there's no way he could have survived to get out the middle of here so he hypnotizes him and he gets his story and he tells him a story of the last thing he remembers is living in 1970s New York, and he was pushed in front of a, a moving vehicle, and he remembers getting run over and dying, and the next thing he remembers, he woke up in this way station. And that's, that is, you know, he's one of the very rare ones who death moved him to that world. Well, later on in, the, in that book, Roland has to make a choice to continue to keep going after the man in black or to save Jake, and he's got a hold of Jake, and Jake lets go of his hand and says, let go of me. There's other worlds than these. And that line was a throwaway line, unless you know it, in this episode. The minute I heard it, I was like, boom, that's it. They are totally fucking packing this with Dark Tower shit. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that is not a coincidence whatsoever. And, like, the cycle of both Henry's is 27 years. The cycle of the creature in it where it sleeps and then wakes up to feed is 27 years. Oh shit. So, I mean like these guys are deep into the mythology of the Stephen King universe. Like I, I, I finally did look up a master list of like the, the Easter eggs and there was stuff that I missed yeah. that I was like, what fucking autistic motherfucker caught that? Because that is like some <laughs> rain man. I drive, I'm a good driver. I drive on Sundays, you know, like that's some fucking, how the fuck he, these people caught it. I don't know. Cause I have no life and I had no life at one point and dedicated a lot of years to this, to, to, to Stephen King's created universe. And I didn't catch it. So these are some sad motherfuckers. I'm glad they're out there. But these are some <laughs> pathetic, non-pussy-getting motherfuckers. I mean, these, I could show a picture of a bad grilled cheese sandwich and pussy to these guys, and they couldn't tell the difference. You know? You're over here talking about thinnies. Have you ever seen a pussy? <laughs> and it was at that moment that Rich stopped giving a fuck about the Dark Tower. <laughs> But yeah, um, the one thing that the showrunners are saying, because there's been a couple interviews I've read, is that they swear they're going to wrap up all the loose ends with the next episode. And They've got their work cut out for them. I didn't realize it was 10 episode run. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Get better. And my fear is that they're doing what a lot of TV shows do these days, which is the, the penultimate episode is the one where you know, all the crazy shit happens. And then the last episode is spent almost explaining a lot of what happened in, in the previous episode. Yeah. Like, I, like you know, having just 
not that long ago, rewatched the, the Sopranos. The one before Made in America, the final episode, the Blue Comet. That's when all the shit goes down. Right. I mean, it, like half of Tony's crew gets wiped out and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And really, it kind of made it feel like at the time when I watched it, like the, the final episode felt anticlimactic. Up yeah. until the up until the end, and I was like, "Oh, Tony's dead as a motherfucker." <laughs> like that was it. He got shot. That guy that walked in the bathroom came out with a gun, Michael Corleone style, and took him out. But I'm I hope they don't fall in that trap. I hope they go the fucking they go for the gusto because even if they fall short, this I, I'm telling you, man, this is the most I've been interested in an anthology anthology show since the first season of True Detective. Mm-hmm. Like I nerd the fuck out on this show, and it's dis- I'm, I'm disgusting myself with how much I nerd out on it. So I don't watching that last episode of Castle Rock. I was just like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, like through the whole episode, and it wasn't it like nothing. There's in and of itself, not there's no like oh shit moments in that. There's just these simple moments that reveal to you what the story is that you've been watching <laughs> for the previous eight hours. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess the one prediction I have is it's not going to be a Mulholland Drive lost highway ending yeah. to where you're going to be like, okay, I got to look up what, what the well, fuck other people's theories are and what happened. There's been a lot of apt comparisons to Twin Peaks. And, you know, there's... Uh, there's a lot, I don't know if you've ever watched any of it, but the last season, the Showtime season of Twin Peaks, definitely deepened the, the kind of Twin Peaks universe, but it didn't explain shit. I mean, I don't think it really had to, and I never went to David Lynch for an explanation of anything. But this is kind of a different story, and they, I, I feel like if you leave it as abstract as something like Twin Peaks, then you've done a disservice. I still want some mystery because there's, you know there's more to know and uh, enjoy about this universe, obviously. But if you're if this is going to be an anthology and we're not going to see these characters again, then we're going to need a few answers. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and this is kind of it's telling that that kind of Twin Peaks story about you know it's seemingly normal town that has some weirdness and it all seems to seep out from another dimension well I, but, I, but it's doing so in a way that it's is more on its face less of the the abstract surrealism well yeah and i mean that's more fitting for stephen king's writing style yeah i mean he's much more as much as much as he gets you know labeled a horror writer he's you know he's much more of the He's not. He, he's he's a lot more Mark Twain than he is H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. He's very matter of fact, right? I mean, like he may tell stories that are about mysteries, but it, it seems like he's taking along the story. Like, hey, I know as much as you know right now. <laughs> well, like, yeah. That, all I'm telling you is this is what happened. <laughs> well, I mean, and this is real Dark Tower nerd shit. But that was kind of a little bit of a controversy that happened with the last book of the of the series. Um. I believe in his afterword for book four, he said uh, a woman wrote him and said, you know, I'm dying of terminal cancer. I swear I'll take what happens to, to my, you know, 
in, how the series ends to my grave, I won't tell anybody, but I have to know. And Stephen King said he wrote her back and said, I can't tell you how it ends because I don't know at this point. Now, fast forward almost 10 years, the last book comes out. And in the afterward, he, he flat out states, I always knew that the series was going to end this way. And okay. it's like, okay, you can't have it both ways. And I think it's the, no, Stephen King's, one of his biggest and I think most on-point criticisms of his writing is the man does not know how to end a story. Yeah. It, it, it is, it is, there, there are more false endings to the, to, to the book The Stand than there were in that last fucking Lord of the Rings movie. I mean, it, it, it was it was just like, oh my god, Jesus! I get it. Can we end this fucking thing now? <laughs> like, oh my, this is three hundred pages after the bad guy's been killed, and we're still going, you know. And I think he, when he wrote that ending, he knew a lot of people were going to be displeased with. It's a cycle, and it takes you right back to the beginning of the first book. And there were a lot of people who were like, you know, yeah, it's that's really. It's Groundhog Day with the gunslinger. That's it. That's what, that's, what we've, that's what we've been following this story for 20 years for. You know, first you kill off the main bad guy. Right. Almost, almost, almost like in, without even a second thought. He doesn't even, his death doesn't mean anything. It's just like, okay, well, I'm going to kill him off. So there you go. Right. But and, if, you, if what you write, if your giant arc is a circle, right, if it all comes back around on itself, then how do you end that? Like your your ending has to. First of all, the circle doesn't have an end to it. So if you're going to put an end somewhere, then you just have to pick an arbitrary spot on that circle where you consider this to be the end. And that's where. And from a storytelling aspect, if if your if your end is the culmination of like the bad guy dying, right? You can't start your story there. Absolutely. I you mean, have that's to pick what, some other point where, like, that doesn't happen. That's one of the things, you know, he said in a lot of interviews and a lot of essays he's written on the Dark Tower is the opening line of the entire series came to him, and he wrote it down, and he was like, that's it. This, this, is, this has more meaning than just the opening line to a series of books I'm going to write. And I think he kind of put the pieces together as he went because, I mean, you got to remember, he started writing that first book when he was 19 i think he finished it when he was in his late 50s early 60s it's a long time to live with a series yeah um but i mean you know first line is the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed and it's also the last line in the series so i mean it's it's that is as much as i was like at the time not very happy with the ending that is probably the best line in the entire series to restart it to come back Mm -hmm. once again cause a wheel to come back to where boom you know we were before and i mean it's uh it's 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 weird because one of the 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 interpretation i take away from the dark tower is it's really the subtext of it is addiction because roland is obsessed with getting to the tower but he doesn't even really know what he, he has to do when he gets there. And through the, the, the whole series, the closer he gets to the tower, like if someone's talking to him, he, like he, he twirls his hand like, okay, hurry up, come on, come on, get to the point. We got to uh-huh. keep going. We got to get to the tower. We got to get to the tower. And there's, through the whole series, one of the characters says, you know, who's a, used to be a junkie, he's like, you're a junkie. You're just a tower junkie. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a heroin addict. You're a tower junkie. And really, Roland gets to the tower 
rushes in, gets to the top floor, opens the door, and he has to go through it all over again. It's it's and knowing Stephen King's personal life, that's like that's kind of like a like is allegory the right word I'm looking for for addiction? Yeah, you know, you yeah, you, yeah. you you get clean and then you slip back into relapse and you get clean again. You slip back and it's a, it's a you know it's a struggle for the rest of your life, and it just it. Not that that like is you can read it and not get that, but if you if you know about Stephen King's personal life, you know what what he's been through. It just informs you on his mindset with the story. Yeah, and but, I, I think I think that's what's honestly they're trying to put into this season of yeah. Castle Rock. I think you know talking the last episode out with you, I think I'm realizing that as far as the the deeper mystery of this universe that's being told in this story, I have my answers, right? I really have all the answers that I need. I kind of, we walked through what happened and we kind of understand a little bit of, of why and how that happened. Uh, The only thing that needs to be put together for me in this final episode is what that all means to our main character, the Henry Deaver that we followed throughout the story. That's what needs to be wrapped up. Is he going to realize this? How is this going to affect his life? Is he going to be able to put any of this together or not? Yeah. But the bigger mystery, you know, I just need, I need the human resolution in the story. The bigger mystery in the story, it's all there in that episode. If you didn't get it, then you need to go back and watch it again. Because everything's there oh absolutely and i mean hats off again to those writers it's one thing to be able to write a compelling drama with believable language but to write a story like this that rewards the 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 person who pays attention so much in those later episodes and shows you like some of this stuff a lot of this stuff that you've been watching hasn't made sense to you and it was all part of the plan is uh, is a fantastic and a rare thing to get always in television. Well, and and another thing in Stephen King's writing that they they're they're nailing in my opinion so far. I mean, who knows? Epi- they they could make a hard left with episode ten, and I'm like, hey, you just fucked everything up. I doubt it. I highly doubt it, but they could. It was but all what, mitochondrians. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, one of the things in, in Stephen King's writing is that he's not so much concerned with the reasons why these things happen. He's more concerned with how people deal with what's happening. Right. And, you know, especially in nerd culture, it's always dig, 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 try to find the deeper meaning. I'm just, I'm thinking that there might, if they end it in a traditional Stephen King way of, it doesn't matter why these things happen. What matters is the story that he told about the characters it was happening to, mm-hmm. there's going to be some pissed off nerds. <laughs> and, but that's, that's why Stephen King's stories have made such an impact on our culture. Because not only does it help stretch our imagination, but it does so in a way that reminds us that the world's always going to be crazy and messed up. And what's really important is how you deal with it. Yeah. I mean, that's, you it, know, if you deal with it by going crazy and killing your family, that's a bad way to do it. <laughs> well, I mean, even a, a throwaway movie of his, you know, Maximum Overdrive. There, yeah, he, he literally has a title card that says "Earth Passed Through the Tail of a Comet," and your guess is as good as mine. That's probably why 
these 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 machines now are self aware and let's just get on with the story. Right. I mean, it's 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 literally just a like a very it's like Night of the Living Dead. They yep. they say, oh, we think this is why this is happening, but you never really know for sure. But the whole point isn't to watch a movie and be like, hmm, why are the dead coming back and eating people? No, the whole point is, who the fuck's going to survive this mess? <laughs> right. The, right. You know? So. That's true. Like you never, nobody complains about a zombie movie by saying, "Well, they never cured the zombies." Like (laughs) they never even found out what caused them. Yeah, because I kind of feel like that's like The Walking Dead, the first season. If I'm remembering correctly, I think it was the first season. They go to the CDC at the end, and they get no answers. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on that first season. I've gone back and forth, like. At first, it was very much like, why are you even trying to tell the story? Because that's not the type of story that made the the comic successful. And I understand, you know, different medium, you have to take different approaches. But the story isn't about what caused the zombie apocalypse. It never was. But looking at it in hindsight and seeing how they told that story and then didn't resolve it and just blew the place up. It was like, you're never going to know. Moving on was probably the best possible way to handle that because then you don't have people going for season upon season. Well, this is an okay story, but when are they going to find out what happened to everybody? Like they established season one, not going to happen. And pretty much the only answer you have is everybody's infected. So when you die, you will turn unless, unless they destroy your brain period. End of story. That's that's like as much as they they've gone into explaining the who what where when why and how this is happening. It's just everybody's infected. So yeah, this is just the new normal. Yep. Well, all right. I think we bored the fuck out of Chris long enough. Yeah. Thanks for <laughs> hanging in there. I I had to get that off my chest. Hey, I do what I can. Hey, just 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 take consolation and solace in the fact there's only one more week. And we won't have to talk about this shit anymore. <laughs> this Castle Rock, because yeah, I can almost hear you snoring and smoking a bowl through the fucking <laughs> the Skype line. <laughs> For probably like another nine or ten months, and then another season will come. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit! Well, I gotta go in three hours, so we gotta end the show. So I will just thank everybody for listening. We're on Twitter at Unregimented Pod. You can always email us unregimented at ChristopherMedia.net. Uh, I'd like to thank the person who commented on our the title of our last episode because he just he agreed with us. Uh, so thanks for that. The, the R.I.P. John McCain and Human Decency episode. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, but thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll catch you next week. All See right, you. later, guys.
If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.